Hey guys, what's up? Yeah, I may seem a little tired, so I do apologize for that. I just camera here a little bit. Uh, and if you guys are listening to the various podcast locations audio wise, I was just adjusting my uh, camera on the uh, for the for the live webcast I'm doing on this special uh, special edition of Topics on My Mind uh, for today, Monday, the 28th of September, 2020. And of course, I got to get myself a little pick me up um, to get through this. Anyway, though, guys, as uh, I get ready to link this to various locations, welcome to the special edition. And of course, if you see the title below, then you know exactly what this is uh, about. Uh, as I check things here, hold on for a sec. Okay. Oh, for a sec. Uh, but yeah, welcome to the special edition where we will be talking about both, both about Sonic the Hedgehog and My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Yes, we will be talking uh, about both of them as we go on. And the topics we will talk about, I've divided them into five each. I've done this before. I've done this little format before while where I will dedicate one half of the podcast to one uh, subject and talk about five things about it, five topics on it. And then the next uh, topic, I'll, uh, next topic or subject, I'll, you know, have, excuse me, I'll have five subjects to talk about that uh, as well. So anyway, with that said, as I get ready to link this to various locations, what are the topics we're going to talk about? Like I said, this, like I said, the way I'm going to be doing this, is Sonic and My Little Pony, of course, two separate topics. And to go along with them, they each have two separate uh, subtop. Uh, they'd have five separate subtopics or five subjects uh, to go along with them uh, that relate to them, uh, if you know what I mean. So anyway, as I uh, anyway to link this without trying messing anything up. Okay, here we go. All right, so the first thing, okay, so again, remember, two separate uh, uh, subjects or topics divided. uh, We have two separate topics to talk about, and they have each have, or they each have their own uh, subjects or subtopics to go along with them. So the first topic, of course, is going to be on Sonic and the five uh, subtopics or subjects that go along with them that we will talk about are, one, the first one will be Ian Flynn, Ian, Ian Flynn and Ivan Stanley's collabing. Uh, basically, we'll talk about that uh, when it comes to the IDW book. Number two, we'll talk about the possibility of a new Sonic cartoon to be done by IDW. We'll talk about that. Uh, number three, we'll talk about hashtag rally for Sally equals IDW debuts soon. Uh, we'll talk about why that may be a possibility. Uh, number four, IDW comics to publish collection edition trade paperbacks of Archie Sonic comics. We'll talk about that. And number five, 
we will talk about why it took so long for me to upload the Doomsday Project 4 episode finale of Saturday AM. So we'll talk about those subjects when it comes to Sonic. And then when we get to MLP, we will talk we have five we have five subjects to go with the MLP topic. The five subjects to go with MLP are number 1 Generation 4 Friendship is Magic fan artist Emma Lou, I think that's her name, uh, doing freelance character design work or did, has done and did uh, freelance character design work on the upcoming 2021 movie. So we'll talk about that. Uh, number two, we'll talk about the next season 10 arc and what it will be about, basically about uh, Scootaloo and her family. Uh, number three, what could be the next, the other number three subject will be what could be the next MLP crossover after Transformers and IDW? Number four, it is what the future may hold for both Bronies React and Analysis Bronies React uh, here on YouTube. I forgot to put that, but that's fine. You got you guys know what I mean if you follow those on YouTube. And then number five, we'll talk about why, in my opinion, Grogar was the originally plan- was the original planned villain for the final season season till plans were changed. So we'll talk about that uh, and more. So, and hello, Val- Valentine. Nice to see you in there. Um, anyway, so let's get into the topics here. First one we're going to talk about as I link this up, we're going to first of all talk about Sonic. We're going to start off with that. And the first subtopic or first subject under the Sonic topic we're going to talk about is the Ian Flynn Event Stanley collab as we get this special edition of topics on my mind for today, Monday, September 28th on the way. And hope you all having a good day, good afternoon and are staying safe out there. So the first uh, subject uh, under the Sonic the Hitchcock topic we're going to talk about out, out of those five is the Ian Flynn Evan Stanley collab. Now, in case you guys don't know, um, Mega Beatman, also known as Matt, uh, towards the end of his review of issue 32, talked about how Evan Stanley and Ian Flynn are going to kind of collab together. They're going to kind of you know, kind of work off each other when it comes to the Sonic book. Now, what that means, basically, from what I understand, is there's going to be no, is that, well, how do I put this? Uh, From what I can get, from what I can gather is, you know, Evan Stanley, of course, is taking over as the new head writer of the main Sonic book at IDW. Well, Ian Flynn, he'll still be working on Sonic, but he's going to be primarily focusing on the bad guy spinoff that they're doing as well as focus on other projects. Like, you know, he currently helps out with the um, crossover. He currently does writing for the crossover of my little pony and transformers and, and other things like Ninja Turtles and stuff. So basically uh, what mega Beatman addressed yesterday towards the end of his review is that Evan Stanley and Ian Flynn would be working together, uh, working off each other, kind of collabing together, to where, as far as continuity goes, 
nothing would be lost. Nothing would be confused. Nothing would be lost. There would be no confusion. You know, if Ivan, you know, comes up with something that fits in the story, then Ian Flynn's just going to pick up where she left off. If she has to like take a break or she has to focus on other projects, you know, Ian Flynn would just pick up where she left off and it feels like nothing would be loot. Uh, nothing would be lost. You know, same thing with um, with her starting next issue with issue 33. Uh, nothing would be lost as far as like what Ian Flynn has done before her. And so basically, long story short, uh, you know, basically, long story short, the short is they're collabing together to make sure that the continuity is followed through to a T as far as the IDW book goes. Now, that all sounds great and everything. You know, I'm not going to knock it. I think it's a great idea that both are pretty much agreeing that, hey, you know, we're going to keep the story going as is. You know, nothing's really going to be lost. You know, we may put in our own ideas here and there, but as long as they fit within the context as a story and the continuity, you know, then that's fine. And again, I think it's a great idea. I think honestly, if they probably would have done something like this with the Archie book between all the multiple writers that were there, I don't think we would have had much of a cluster, you know what, when it came to the story series, the continuity and the characters. However, however, and I, and I don't like saying this and I know people might, comment and say, oh, that's not entirely true, Brian. You don't know if that's true or anything. Um, and I got some people in here. <laughs> I don't know what is going on. Uh, I guess uh, Valentina Elorio is really excited about things. Um, Anyway, like I said, long story short. Um, what was I? Oh, yeah. Basically, basically, again, I know I might get criticized about this a little bit. But as far as the collabing goes, again, I think it's a great idea. It's something that I think when, they, when uh, Ken Penders and Carl Bowlers and all of them were working on the Archie book, they could have you know, took a page, they could have really, you know, took a page out of what Ian Flynn and Ivan are doing right now. And if they would have done that, things probably wouldn't have been so messed up, if you know what I mean. Such a cluster, you know what, when it came to story, when it came to the continuity and the characters and what have you. However, and again, I know I might get criticized about this. However, I don't see this collabing or this you know, kind of working together kind of deal lasting long. And here's why. And this is not a knock. This is not a knock towards Ivan or Ian, okay? But I think Ian's going to get so focused on working not just on the spinoff, but after he's done with the bad guy spinoff for the Sonic IDW book, he's going to start focusing on other things. He's going to start focusing on, you know, Transformers, My Little Pony, Ninja Turtles, uh, whatever, what, uh, whatever other projects that IDW has, either it's their original own original material or licensed material. 
I think what's going to happen is Ian Flynn's going to focus more on that. And he's going to basically leave Evan Stanley to Evan. He's going to leave her to her own uh, studies. He's going to leave her to her own um, ideas, if you know what I mean. And I bring this up and I say this and I bring it up because I think honestly that, as I mentioned, I like the idea of, you know, two writers working together as co-head writers of a book, kind of working off each other. But I think as time goes on and Ian Flynn wraps up working on the bad guy spinoff book for the Sonic book for the Sonic comic. I think, like I said, he's going to start focusing on other projects of other licenses or original comics that IDW has that he could contribute his writing skills to and the storytelling skills to, uh, despite how people might feel about him when it comes to that. And I think Ivan's going to be left to her own devices. He's going to let Ivan do her own thing. And then eventually, in my opinion, Ivan's going to start wanting to expand on the world a little bit more. And I bring this up because I think this might be, keep in mind, might be, um, you know, the opportunity that, you know, Ivan has, um, not, not just Ivan, but, but fans have been waiting for, for quite some time. I, I think honestly, this could open up the door for other characters that we want to see in the book that debuted in the Archie book that are not Pender's related, not Pender's owned, but other characters that did debut there to show up here. And I think Ivan, and I think the door is going to be wide open for Ivan very soon. I think she's going to have the door open for her very, very soon. Now, I know some of you might say that's not going to happen. Sega has pretty much put the foot down. Excuse me. You know, they pretty much put the foot down. You know, it's not going to happen. It'll never occur. Uh, but again, I want you to re- I want you to recall something, guys. I want I want you to recall something. All right. When when Ken Penders would focus more on the uh, Knuckles book and other projects he was working on, and he left Carl Bowlers and others to the and other writers to their own devices. As far as the main book goes, they came up with ideas that even Ken didn't know about. Ken didn't, you know, know about that they put in into the continuity. And when Ken came back, yeah, he had to fix a few things or at least try to in his final issues, uh, you know, within the final issues that he was writing for when it came to the book. But there were also some ideas he actually kept in there because he figured, okay, you know, it's too late now to kind of fix everything. Everybody pretty much is now looking at this or that as part of continuity. And there you go. So I think honestly, uh, when it comes down to it in reality, I think we kind of see something similar. I see something actually similar happening here. I see, um, I see Evan Stanley eventually being allowed to go off on her own down the line. Uh, because, again, I see Ian Flynn, after doing the Bad Guys book, going and doing his own thing with other properties owned by IDW, maybe even freelancing himself to other companies like Marvel or DC or Image or whoever. Um, I can see him doing that eventually 
uh, down the line and focusing more in that area. And like I said, leaving someone like Ivan and possibly another future writer to come along down the line to their own devices. And like I said, to me, this has the potential to, um, you know, open up the door for, you know, possibilities. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's going to happen. I'm not saying it will happen, but I think it opens up the door. I really do. I think, you know, when when you look at the fact that right now, the the plan for them to collab together to kind of work off each other when it comes to the book, I think it's great. Like I said, I think it's a good idea. It's something that if Penders and Bowlers, um, you know, could have you know worked off. I think honestly, it's something that I believe if Penders and Bowlers uh, knew what each other were doing, they could have done the same thing, and things would have been better. We wouldn't, like I said, we wouldn't have had the mess that we did. You know, and even later on, when Ian Flynn would do the Archie book and then let others do the book. I think it would have been great if they would have done it back then as well, because that way there wouldn't be too much confusion. Anyway. Anyway, um, I, I think, honestly, uh, to me, in my opinion, to me, in my opinion, um, I've, I just feel this, this is this collaboration that's good for right now. That's a great idea for right now. I don't think it's going to last long. I really don't. I think, I think honestly that, you know, down the line, again, I think down the line, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna change. I, I think honestly, uh, it's gonna change, and I think it's gonna change perhaps for the better because I could see, I could see. Um, I could see basically uh, how, how do I put this? I could see, you know, like I said, Ivan going in and I'm just reading some things here off on Twitter, but I could see someone like Ivan going off and doing her own thing eventually with the Sonic book where Ian Flynn, as I mentioned, goes off and does his own thing elsewhere after he does the bad guy spinoff. Now, could I be wrong about that? Absolutely. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not denying that. You know, there are times, you know, we could say, oh, well, this, you know, this writer went off and did their own thing and thing and everything, you know, but, you know, what I'm trying to say is, excuse me for, hold on for a sec. Excuse me. But like I said, you know, we've all said that about, you know, this kind of an idea where we think, oh, the collaboration between two writers on a book, whether it's Marvel, DC or whatever. You know, it's not going to last long. And, you know, this writer is going to go off and be able to do their own thing with the book while this other writer does other things. But then eventually, you know, those writers do come back together and collab and kind of basically uh, continue where, you know, the new head writer left off so that nothing is lost. We, You know, there's always been those moments where, you know, you might think it's not going to last, but then all of a sudden it does end up coming back together. It does kind of you know, end up lasting and working, you know, for a bit longer. And again, like I said, I have nothing against a collaboration like this. I really don't. You know, I think it's good for the book. I think it's good 
for the book. It helps, you know, uh, keep, you know, keep things intact. It keeps the reader's attention. You know, there's no confusion possibly, but in the end, like I said, I just, in my humble opinion, I just don't see it lasting. You know, Ian Flynn, he's going to do the bad guys book, like I said, and then he's going to go off and do other things, not just within IDW, but with other publishers. He's going to freelance himself to help contribute and write stories to, for Marvel and DC and Image and Top Cow and whoever. And Evan Stanley is going to be allowed to go in her own direction or down her own path. And you can't tell me that Evan, and if she's watching this, Evan, you can't tell me that you aren't looking forward to doing that. You, you're not, you, you can't tell me that you're not looking forward to possibly the day that when the day comes and Ian goes off and does his own thing, that you'll be like, you'll have that burden or that, that burden kind of, I say, I'm not saying Ian's a burden or anything, but you kind of have that, you, have, you don't have that extra head looking over your shoulder or anything like that to make sure you're doing certain things the, the way they want. You can't tell me, Ivan, that you're not looking forward to the possibility of, you know, being able to do your own thing and give the fans what they want. Because I think that moment is coming. It may not be right now, but depending on how long this book lasts and how long you remain as the head writer for right now as a book, book either, well, basically as a co-head writer before eventually becoming the head writer, because we all know that's going to happen. You can't tell me you aren't looking forward to that day because then that way you don't have to worry about Ian looking over your shoulder, making sure that you keep in, you know, you know, you, that you kind of, keep in stride, you kind of coincide, if you will, with what he's already done, that you'll be able to do your own thing. You can't tell me, Ivan, and nobody else watching this can't tell me that you aren't looking forward to that because you are. Anybody that gets an opportunity like what you got with IDW, Ivan, look forward to an opportunity like that. They're like, you know, they count down the days, the moments, the minutes, the months, till the day comes when they're given that title of soul head writer because the other co-head writer is now off doing their own thing elsewhere. And now you have the opportunity to write the stories you want to write. You have the opportunity to write the stories that you want to write, that you know the fans want you to write. And again, I think it opens the door for possibilities. You know, I really do. You know, You know, I, I think it really, I think it really opens the door, in my opinion. Now, like I said, I could be wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying I'm going to be right. But I just get this feeling that, you know, because of what we've seen in the past with Ian, with all due respect to the guy, I think we're probably going to eventually see him go off and do his own thing. Because it, to me, to me. It almost feels like, and he can come out and probably deny it, and that's fine. It's cool, whatever. But I think, honestly, Ian's probably looking forward to the day that he finishes up with that final issue of the bad guy spinoff to where now he'll be free from the Sonic burden forever. Well, not forever, but for the time being, and let someone else take on that burden. 
So, you know, because, because honestly, what I can sense is that even though Ian's a fan of Sonic, I think he wants to go off and do other things. I think he wants to have the opportunity to write for other books. Like I said, he's currently helping with this crossover here between Transformers and My Little Pony. He's contributed stories for the IDW Ninja Turtles, the Nickelodeon ones as well. And I'm pretty sure he's contributed or will want or plans to contribute to other properties licensed by IDW or original ideas that IDW owns solely. You know, he's probably looking forward to that moment. You know, he's probably looking forward to that moment. And just like Evan's counting down the days of being able to finally eventually be the sole head writer of this book, you know, so is he. He's looking forward to the day where he'll be able to finally contribute to other things besides Sonic, to where he could just, for the time being, leave Sonic in the back and go off and do other things. You know, again, I'm not saying... Again, let me let me let me re, let me repeat myself here, and I know I do that a lot, but let me repeat myself by saying I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying I'm going to be right. Okay, I'm not saying I'll be right, but I just look at this as one of those situations to where, you know, you could just feel like something's going to change. You feel like something's going to occur, so that when Ian Flynn does come back eventually. He's going to notice, and he'll probably pay attention, but he'll notice that even though a lot of the continuity that he left behind originally is still there, that there's new additions of things, new new parts of the world that are being explored, new characters that are debuting, new original characters or returning characters from the Archie books making their debut in IDW. He'll start seeing that. And he's going to have to work within it because that's what the deal is. You know, if Evan's got to do something, something comes up and she can't do the book anymore. Part of the deal is he's going to work with what she put in there as well. And if she decides, hey, I want to bring in the wolf pack. I want to bring in Lupe. I want to bring in Lupe and the wolf pack to be part of this. I want to bring in an IDW version of her. She can do that. She can do that. She wants to... Go the romantic route and say, you know what? Everybody likes Silver and Blaze together. I'm going to go put Silver and Blaze together. He's going to have to work within that bubble. He's going to have to. The point is, the point is that I'm getting at is, you know, eventually when Ian comes back, and I've got a feeling, like I said, I've just got this feeling he's going to go off and do other things after the bad guys think after he's done inking uh, the script for the bad guys comic, he's going to go off and do his own thing to where I truly believe when he comes back, eventually he's going to see this. He'll be glad the continuity is still the same, but he's going to be, he's, he'll probably raise an eyebrow and be like, really, Ivan, you brought in Lupe and the Wolfpack or really, Ivan, you, you put Silver and Blaze together romantically. Because I think what opens the door for a lot of this to happen as well is the ending. And this is where the whole collab thing comes into play because uh, basically it allows, I think Matt, a.k.a. Mega Beatman, said it best, it allows Ivan to start off somewhat with a clean slate. 
because Sonic's now just journeying around the world like he did before. So it opens the doors again for Yvonne to do whatever she needs to do in the context of the continuity to help make the story intriguing and, and, and better than what it was before. And that includes bringing in, you know, I, you know, characters from Archie comics and making them the, um, and basically making them a, a, the IDW equivalent of who they, excuse me, making them the IDW equivalent of who they were, then, you know, that's going to work too. I, I don't think anybody would have a problem either way. But like I said, I think, honestly, though, in close, because I know I don't, I don't want this topic to go too long on this first one. Because <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't want, you know, something, to, I don't want this to go too, too long on this one. But uh, basically, I, I feel, honestly, that even though the collab idea is good right now, I think very soon, I think very soon, it's, you know, after, you know, after it's all said and done, I think, you know, Ian's going to go off and do his own thing. And it's going to clear the path for Ivan to, you know, write more stories or he's in, you know, be more a little bit, well, be more free, if you will, and be able to write some of the stories that she's been wanting to write and that she knows the fans have been wanting you know, to be, oh, fans have been wanting to be written, I should say. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think, in my honest opinion, the collapse, it, it'll be there. It'll still be around. But I think what's going to happen is that after the bad guys thing is done, event, you know, and Ian goes off and does his own thing for a while before maybe venturing back and helping to write some stories for the main book of the IDW Sonic. I, I've got a feeling that during that time he's away, Ivan is going to play, if you know what I mean. She's going to, you know, she's going to go and do her own thing for a bit, but she'll make sure that it's in the context of the continuity that, you know, Ian Flynn tried to help us, that Ian Flynn kind of established and that she's getting an opportunity to have a somewhat of a clean slate to work off of starting on issue 33. Now, as I mentioned Am I going to be wrong? Probably, but I don't know. You know, anything's possible. But, but let me ask any of you this: If you were in, if you were in Evan Stanley's shoes, and you were told by Ian Flynn, "Hey, you're going to be the new co-head writer of the book, if not the sort of head, sort of if not the sole head writer of the book," while I go off and do other things while I work on the spinoff book and possibly do other things. Put yourself in her shoes. If you knew there's a strong, if you knew that there was a slight, if not strong possibility that after Ian Flynn worked on the bad guy spinoff book or tie in book, and then went off and did his own thing for quite some time before venturing back to the comic to write some stories for wouldn't you want to take advantage of the opportunity to maybe within the context of the continuity to add some new elements, probably bring in some characters that fans have been wanting to see? I mean, I, I know I would, because honestly, if you're giving me somewhat of a clean slate to work off of in my debut issue, of course I'm going to do it. Of course I'm going to go that route eventually. So 
I think, in my honest opinion, down the line, very, very soon, it may not be immediately, but I got a feeling by the start of next year, you know, Evan Stanley's going to start getting that ball rolling to, you know, where you know, to the point that she's going to start writing her own kind of stories, bringing in new additional elements to the world, bringing in, you know, introducing new, if not bringing in some popular characters from other Sonic media. I've got a feeling 2021, she's going to start doing that. She's going to start getting that ball rolling and that possibly towards the middle or end of 2021. And if Ian Flynn is still, you know, wanting to contribute to the Sonic book, he's going to come back and he's going to probably have to work within that context of what she's added. And he knows it. You know, he knows that to be true. So, Again, it's again, it's just my opinion, but I've here's the thing. I've been reading the I've been reading the Sonic comics even when they were under the Archie license since they began. I was a subscriber to them from late '97 to they ended a couple of years back. To the license came to an end a couple of years back. That's how long I've been subscribing. I've subscribed to the Sonic book when they were under the Archie license. You know. That's how long I've been a fan of the comics in general, no matter what the publisher. And that's why I kind of have a gist as to what I could see possibly happening. You know, I just get this feeling. And like I said, I know some people will deny it. They'll say, well, they'll probably point out that I could be wrong. And you know what? Maybe I am. Maybe I am wrong. But again, when you think about it, folks, if you're Evan Stanley, and you are now basically put solely in charge, well, sort of solely in charge, of writing for the main Sonic book while the original head writer is off writing for the spinoff of the tie-in book and then eventually moving on to other things within IDW and even outside of IDW, don't you think that the moment that occurs when the original head writers start focusing on other projects that you wouldn't want to take the opportunity to start implementing your own ideas, your own ideas of what the world is like? your own ideas of what characters originally and returning from, and from other, you know, originally that could debut in the book and from other Sonic media could debut in the book. Would you want to take advantage of that opportunity? I know I would. I know I definitely would. And I, I know I'm not alone in that. I know that I am not, I, I'm not alone in that. And Again, I know some people, like I said, will kind of deny that and say it's not going to happen. You know, I know some people will say, oh, it's not going to happen, Brian. You're wrong about that. And maybe I am. You know, maybe maybe I am. But I I just feel that the door is open is what I'm saying. I just feel like the door is open right now for this to happen, for this to occur. And again, I know, I know it doesn't seem possible to some people. I know some people will be like, you know, that's not going to happen. You know, they're going to make sure it doesn't happen, that the collab has to go the way it's got to go. And that might be true. And again, it all might be true. But in closing, to finish off this first subject subtopic of the main sonic topic here uh in this two-part topic uh, topics on my mind I, I just feel in my opinion 
my opinion, that I don't think it's going to last. I don't think the collaboration is going to last long. I really don't. I think, in, again, I think in my honest opinion, you know, eventually, starting around 2021, maybe not immediately, but in the early portion of it, that's when Evan Stanley is going to get that domino effect going, and she's going to start sooner or later contributing her own ideas, you know, into the book. She's going to, you know, contribute her own ideas of what the world's like. She's going to want to introduce maybe some new original characters that she's come up with and maybe even bring in some returning characters from other medias of Sonic that we've seen before. You know, so I could see that. I could see that honestly happening. And like I said, I know some people will be like, oh, it's not going to happen, Brian. You're, you're overanalyzing it. It's da 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 Really? I'm overanalyzing it? Again, I want you to listen... I want you to read, and I want you to particularly listen to some of what Ian Flynn has to say. And I say this with all due respect, because it sounds like to me he's kind of losing that passion to write to write for anything that's Sonic related, and he's gonna and he's more focused on wanting to do things outside of it. So I think honestly. I think honestly, you know, it, it, I think honestly, it's just going to. I just think we're going to be going. We're going to start seeing things go down that path. I think it's going to happen uh, probably sooner than you think. I think for right now, what Ivan's going to do is she's going to just get her feet wet. She's going to continue what Ian continue where Ian Flynn left off, giving her that somewhat clean slate. But once she's got her feet fully immersed you know, into that river or, you know, into that lake and she goes for that deep dive and that deep swim, that's when you're going to start seeing her go her own, go down her own path and start developing ideas on her own. I see it. I know you guys see it. You know, it's just too obvious, you know, in my opinion. And that's that's really all I can say about it because, you know, to, to me, it's just, like I said, I've been a fan for far too long, and it just seems too obvious, in my opinion, that, you know, honestly, um, honestly, that they, you know, she, that someone like Ivan wouldn't take advantage of the opportunity that lies ahead of her, you know, down the line, if not, like I said, around the early portion of next year. So, so yeah, I, I honestly believe it's going to happen. I really do. I mean, again, like I said, I have nothing. I have nothing against what's going on right now with this idea of oh, let's collab together. Let's make sure we each under we each work off each other kind of deal. I have nothing against that. It does make things a lot more easier for the subscriber and for the viewer or the reader to um, really um, get in, you know get invested in the book you know, get invested in the book to the point that, you know, like I said, if Ian Flynn comes back and starts wanting to write for the book more, nothing will be lost. But I truly, I truly feel that, you know, Ivan's going to go down her own path eventually. 
uh, once she starts noticing that Ian's going to focus on other projects besides Sonic. And then that's when you're going to see a lot of things come about from that. You're going to see new elements of the so- of Sonic's world in IDW be introduced. You're going to probably see uh, some new original characters uh, be introduced. You might even see some returning characters from other Sonic media be introduced into the book. So, again, that's just my opinion. Just my opinion on it. Uh, I know some people, like I said, will disagree with it. But it's just an opinion. And nobody really has to agree. Nobody has to uh, agree either way. So, that's all I could say on that, guys. That's all I can really say on that. And um, without further ado, let's move on to a second topic here. And our second topic is new Sonic cartoon to be done by IDW. Okay, so what brings this topic on? Oh, for a sec, what did that take my... I don't know who that was out of Sonora. <laughs> it's weird. But like I said, um, like I said, what brings this topic on uh, a little bit, this uh, questionable topic of new Sonic cartoon to be done by IDW, uh, what brings this on is I last night I watched a video clip from Clownfish TV and basically, Neon and Geeky Sparkles were talking about the fact that IDW, I guess, to financially save themselves, are now going to be entering the animation business. And that they plan to do some animated series and movies, maybe, based on properties that they originally created or they've licensed out. And the reason I bring this up is because you know, IDW obviously wants to get their version of Sonic and the comic book they're doing over with the audience a lot more than it, or, than it is right now, according to some people, that I think, honestly, a Sonic cartoon is on the, on the table for them. I think they're looking at all the properties, like I said, they originally created and the, the, looking at some of the properties they've licensed, and they're looking contently indirectly at properties like Sonic to do an animated series on to try to get people's attention onto the book um, as well. Now, you know, will IDW be allowed to do that? Well, they got to get the, well, they got to get the consent by Sega at first, and I think they will. So honestly, I do believe that if IDW is able to go through with this, despite how some people might feel about it, that I think they, along with whoever they, you know, work with to get this animated suit, this animation uh, division of those up and going again, or going for the first time, that I think whoever they get to help them with the Sonic cartoon, if it does come become a reality, you know, as one of the properties that they've licensed that they could make into a show, I think it could be the saving grace. But now the question is, if IDW is the one that's going to be bringing the new Sonic cartoon uh, to reality, who will they pick to distribute it to? Who will they pick to showcase it to? You know, 
I mean, the, the possibilities are kind of limitless, if you will. I mean, you have HBO Max, you have Cartoon Network, you have Discovery Family, if you want to go down that route. You have uh, Universal Kids. Uh, you have Peacock. You have Netflix. You have Hulu. And you have Amazon Prime. And even Disney Plus. So you, they have a variety of uh, a variety of you know doors to be opened or to walk through to you know bring this uh, bring this to life to help make this a reality. And I think, honest, honestly, if I'm to be honest, I think IDW, if they are truly committed to going the animation route with not just, you know, licensed properties, properties, but also their own original properties, I think Netflix is probably the best option. I, I really do. I think Netflix would be the best option for them to go, especially if you want to showcase a Sonic cartoon to hopefully tie in with the upcoming sequel that's supposed to come out in a couple of years. So, um, honestly, honestly, I so honestly, I do believe we are going to get a new Sonic cartoon, and I think it's going to be done by IDW. It's going to be done by IDW Animation or whatever animation studio they collab with. It's Netflix, DreamWorks, whoever, you know. It's going to get done. Now, I again, I understand how some people might find this negative. You know, animation, whether it's Flash or 2D or whatever, 3D, CGI. You know, it takes a little too long to do. You know, you know it takes too long to do. You need to get the right people behind it. You need to get the voices and all that. And I understand that. I totally get it. I see, and I kind of see where you know neon and geeky sparkles are coming from at Clownfish TV when they talk about that. But I think honestly that if IDW is committed to this, and either it's on their own or they work with somebody, they're going to probably try to get something out within the next year or two. And I think one of the things I want to try to get out, excuse me is a Sonic cartoon to tie in, not just with the IDW book, but to tie in with the new movie. That's what I think they're going to want to do. And and um, honestly, you know, again, the, the possibility is endless. The not endless, but you know the possibility is there. So I, I feel, in my opinion, I feel that IDW will make this happen. I feel that they will uh, make it a reality, and they'll at least try to get something out by the end of the year, by the end of next year, going into 2022. So they have something that you know, you know, they can lay a foundation on. And again, I think Sonic's one of those properties that they'll look at that they've licensed from Sega. And I've got a feeling that Sega will be cool with it as long as, as long as they find a way to kind of help it tie into not only the comic, but be a tie-in into the upcoming movie. So I think that's... I think IDW does have an opportunity to make this happen if they are committed. Because like I said, I understand where... 
um, geeky sparkles and neon are coming from and others are coming from when they criticize this because as I was saying, saying I was, uh, before I got distracted from re- by reading something here online, but like I said, you know, I understand where geeky and neon are coming from. They feel that, it, you know, IDW doesn't have any idea what they're getting themselves into. Animation takes too long, stuff like that. So, yeah, I get where they're coming from, but this is a risk that they want to take. And if it pays off, it pays off. If it doesn't, then IDW is going to have to figure out something else else to or figure something else out to try to get some finances going uh, back into their accounts, if you know what I mean. So anyway, though, I tr- so anyway, so anyway, though, to answer this second topical or second subjectical subjectical question, easy for me to say. Do I um, do I think new Sonic cartoon by is going to be done by IDW? Absolutely, and I think the main you know like distributor error, if you will, uh, of the show, the 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 uh, place that's going to air the show, I think it's going to be Netflix. Because despite how you might feel about Netflix right now and some of the decisions they make, they are a big, they are one of the bigger streaming conglomerates out there. And getting a deal with them, I think, will really help out in the end and really get, you know, Sonic, the IDW version of Sonic, out there amongst the masses. I really do. So anyway, that's all I'm going to say on that one. Number on the second topic, but number three, it does kind of deal with IDW. Well, actually, number three now, you know, speaking of IDW, it kind of deals with them. But number three, our third topic we're now going to focus on because we're done with the second one, but we're still tying into IDW here. We're doing that a lot here. Um, number three is hashtag rally for Sally equal IDW debut soon? Okay. So, again, for those of you that may not know, hashtag rally for Sally, little bit of history, came about about a month or two, a couple months ago, when it was announced that Sega was allowing uh, Tangle the Lemur and Whisper the Wolf to, at one point, IDW exclusive characters to be part of the Sonic Speedball, to be part of the Sonic Forces Speed Battle mobile game distributed by Hardlight and Sega as well as the Sonic Dash game distributed by Hardlight and Sega. So that's how the hashtag Rally for Sally came about, because they're looking at the fact that here you have two characters that were originally intended to be IDW characters within the IDW Sonic book, and now all of a sudden they've expanded over to the game. So that's why, you know, you have fans, you know, doing the hashtag Rally for Sally deal, because they feel, hey, if you can put those characters in, you shouldn't have had you shouldn't have no problem with finally putting Sally in to a game in some capacity. And uh it's a drank a little bit of my Coca-Cola there for those that may be listening on the podcast edition. Um but again, that's how Rally for Sally came about. Or hashtag Rally for Sally. 
And I got to thinking, you know, it's like, you know, you know, obviously the people here, obviously the people at the Sega of America and the Sega Sonic team here in, here in the United States, they hear us. They hear the fans. They hear the fans wanting Sally. You know, the they hear the fans crying, well, not crying out, but, you know, hashtagging and getting behind Rally for Sally every day, petitioning for it to happen. You know, twi- you know, putting it down on Twitter or Facebook for it to happen. YouTube, you name it. And obviously, they hear us. They obviously hear us. They acknowledge it. But there's nothing. They haven't said anything yet. When they do, I've got a feeling that if it is something fans want to hear, the internet's going to explode. Literally. Um, but here's what I think is going to happen. One, first of all, I do think she, I do think that with enough, more, a little bit more support, hashtag Rally for Sally is going to amount to something. It's going to, you know, make, you know, her addition into one of the games a reality. There's no getting around that. But here's what I think is going to happen next. You know, I mentioned Evan Stanley in the first topic and having a little bit more free reign when Ian Flynn starts going in his own, doing his own thing. Well, I think. Hashtag Rally for Sally is going to equal to something. It's not. It won't be the games right away, but it will eventually. But I think the next best thing that's going to happen is the hashtag Rally for Sally is going to have her land into the IDW book. I really do. I think honestly she's going to end up landing in. She's going to end up showing. She's going to end up showing up. I should say in the IDW Sonic book. And I think it's going to be when Sonic's doing his traveling around the world to, I guess, keep Eggman, you know, off of his uh, friend's back as well as try to, you know, protect every part of the world that he can. I think what we're going to get is we're going to get Sally in the IDW book. And it's all going to be because of hashtag rally for Sally. It's like, to me, in my opinion, Sally finally debuting in the IDW Sonic book will be like a constellation. Like, okay, she's not in the game yet, but we are gonna. But because the support is so strong to see her, you know, in new Sonic media, I've got a feeling they're going to come out and say, "Hey, look, you know, she's not in the game yet, but we are proud to announce that she will debut in the IDW Sonic book." And I think fans would be ecstatic about that. I think they'd be happy about that. You know, I think, I think uh, basically Netflix would be would be very happy about. I mean, not Netflix. Sorry, but I was just reading some comments there. But uh, <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Um, but I do think fans would be extremely happy about that, no matter what what the decision is. You know, because the fans want to see her in some capacity. Heck, there are fans that do fan art of her interacting with Tangle and Whisper. Like you know, she's always been part of the group. Excuse me. Excuse me again. Um, but I think honestly that that's what's gonna happen. I think the constellation's gonna be that it's gonna get announced down the line, in my opinion, that she's not gonna be in the games just yet, but as a constellation, they're gonna let her be in the IDW book. And I think her debut is gonna be when Sonic's traveling the world. You know, keeping, like I said, keeping Eggman off the back of his friends 
as well as going around and protecting other parts of the world from Eggman, uh, period. And I think one of those parts of the world that he'll travel to is going to have Sally there. I think Sally's going to get introduced um, very soon. It may not be this year, but it's going to be next year. I've got, like I said, I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling that, you know, the, uh, like I said, the, the hashtag rally for Sally. Sorry about that. I was just trying to think of what I was going to say there. Uh, the hashtag rally for Sally is going to result in her showing up in the IDW book. Now, some of you, as I mentioned, may think that's not a possibility. Some of you have even thought and come out and said, look, this whole hashtag rally for Sally thing is, you know, it's not, you know, it's not going to do anything. Sega's not going to allow this. Sega's not going to allow that. Well, you know what? If Sega wants people to, you know, celebrate the tenth, the thirtieth anniversary of Sonic next year. I th- I think they'll be fine with this. I I think honestly they they'll be cool with it. I I think you know it's you know it's not a to me it's not a deal breaker. Um, if you will, it's not a deal breaker whatsoever. Um, as I do something here for a second, uh, on tw- as I uh, do link something up here on Twitter real quickly, but like I said, I don't think it's a deal breaker. I think honestly, fans would be cool with it. I think fans would be just happy to see her in any Sonic media um, right now. They'd be glad for it. They'd be happy about it. And. There we go. And I think that's pretty much the gist of it. I think if there was an announcement made that says, hey, Sally's going to be in the IDW books as a constellation for right now because they're not going to put her in the games just yet, I think fans would be cool with it. And it and honestly, continuity-wise, it ties into Sonic traveling around the world to keep it, you know, kind of keep an eye on Eggman, keep him from, you know, prevent him from taking over any parts of the world. You know, get him off his friend's back, like I mentioned. So I think it's honestly, I think I, I, I think it would work. I think it'd be a great constellation. You know, she doesn't have to be there as a regular. You could have her show up. And, and look, what I'm trying to say is she doesn't have to be there as a regular. You can have her show up on occasions. Not all the characters we see in the IDW book show up on a regular issue-by-issue basis. They only show up when they're needed. Like Knuckles, he's on the floating island right now. You know, you could have him show up every issue just to get people to, you know, read the book. But no, they're saving him. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to, you know, push the envelope, you know, with his character, although they could. Although they really could. They're not going to do that. They're not going to push, push the envelope with him. If you, if you get what I'm saying, they're not going to push it. But I, I, and you know, and the same goes for Blaze. When, you know, you look at the IDW book for those that you know read it and follow it. When was the last time you saw Blaze before last is, before issue 31 and this issue 32? When was the last time? Towards one of the first, towards the end of one of the first major arcs of the book, 
And that was it. And they haven't utilized her since, right? They could have easily used her, utilized her in the, in the metal virus arc, right? Never did. Because they don't want to spill, they don't want to, you know, oversaturate the book with appearances of, char like, of characters like her. And the same could be said for someone like Sally. Sally's a very popular character. So you debut, so if you debut her in the IDW book, you don't have to bring her in every issue. You don't have to oversaturate the book uh, with her every issue. Just bring her in on occasions when needed. So I believe, in my opinion, that, you know, hashtag rally for Sally, it's going to equal to something. It's going to, you know, result in something. And what that something is for the time being, I truly believe, is her showing up in the IDW book. And it, again, it won't be at this. It won't be the it won't be at the end of this year. I don't think it will be unless that's a big surprise that we don't see coming. But I do see 2021 as being the major possibility. And I know some people, like I said, will probably disagree with that. But you know what? This hashtag rally for Sally thing just gets bigger and bigger with each day. The petitions that are out there to get her involved in the games and other parts of the Sonic media nowadays just gets bigger and bigger. And, you know, they keep reaching the goal every day almost. So my honest opinion, you know, I think she will show up. I think the hashtag rally for Sally is going to equal, you know, is going to equal to Sally showing up in the IDW book. I really do. So, so yeah, I, I see that happening. Well, hello, Son Amy channel. Nice to see you in the chat. And uh, look, I'm not denying. What Ian's saying about why they can't, you know, why they can't just be brought into the IDW Sonic that easily. And look, I understand the behind the scenes gist. But what I'm trying to get at here is besides that, besides that, we're not talking everybody. We're talking working in, in a way that plays within the continuity. It plays within the continuity. And Ian Flynn need and you can't tell me, Son Amy Channel. And thank you for being in the live chat again. You can't tell me that Ian Flynn doesn't know about hashtag rally for Sally. He should, he knows there's no doubt about it. And he probably knows that the best that, you know, a game appearance may be long off, but a comic appearance, you know, maybe once in a while it's not. So he knows there's a possibility that this hashtag rally for Sally could make that a reality. And I think that reality becomes reality in 2021. I really do. I really do, but thank you for your opinion on that. I mean, again, I get where you're coming from. I get where others are coming from with it. Well, see what I'm saying? He's tweeted about it, about it and everything. So if Ian Flynn knows about it, out it, then obviously he knows it's you know the support that's swelling up for it, and that it's got to result in something. So you know he could say that it's not possible now, but think about it this way, Son Amy Channel. Think about it this way: 
You know, he's going to go off and do his own thing for a while after, you know, finishing up on the bad guys book. He's going to go off and do his own thing. And yeah, he's going to keep in touch with Ivan for a bit. But you can't tell me that as time goes on, as I mentioned earlier, Ivan's not going to start wanting to do her own thing and not see the opportunity of, okay, you know what? I'm going to try to bring these characters in, even if I have to do it in a way that coincides with the continuity and doesn't overstep boundaries. And she's going to do it. She will do it. You you don't think she will. She will. But and I think that's how I see Sally coming in. I think that's what the I think that's what the end result will be. Hashtag rally for Sally. The first, you know, step in, you know, making her part of the Sonic media overall uh, games and all that is her showing up in the IDW book. And again, it'll be done in a way, I believe, that's not going to overstep boundaries. But it'd be done in a way to where, like with a blaze. Like with uh, a Knuckles, who yes are game characters, I understand that. Uh, but you know, like any other characters, will not be brought in issue after issue to where they would oversaturate it. You know, should be brought in on occasions. Like let's say you bring her in for like like let's say she debuts in issue what thirty nine. Let's say that happens. I mean, we know that we know that thirty three is what is it 33 is next month 34 is next month or as well or in november we know 35 and 36 possibly are in december so we know 37 is january 38 who's to say by let's say march or april sally won't show up and then we won't see her again till maybe the end of the year or maybe into 2020 2022 i'm just saying you know they could work around that to make it to where, like I said, they're not overstepping boundaries and it works within the continuity. Because again, I don't think it's something that they can ignore. Yeah, that's one thing too that I think we could agree on, Son Amy Channel, that the metal virus thing is over. It went way too long. We'll put it that way. Maybe not as long as let's say the this these arcs behind me that all together combined together went. But I think we can all agree that it went way too long, a lot, a lot longer than it should. Um, and again, you know, you talk about world building. Bringing Sally in possibly is an opportunity for that to happen because you're not just building the world and showing the aftermath as of what happened showing the aftermath of the metal virus and how all the characters that Sonic and his friends are going to interact with down along the ways are dealing with this, but it's also an opportunity for you to bring Sally in. You know, it could be a guest appearance and then you don't bring her back in until maybe the following year or towards the end of next year. You get what I'm saying? And again, it works within the boundaries. You're not pushing the envelope. You know, you're just, once in a while, bringing in a character that no one would expect here and there. Like I said earlier, if Ivan, like I said in the first topic, if Ivan Stanley decided one day, hey, I want to bring in Lupe and the Wolf Pack to be part of the IDW book, even for a one-shot appearance, she could do that. She would. You know, she would and she could. Even if it's a one-off, one-shot appearance or whatever, she could end up doing that. And I think 
anybody watching this and listening to this eventually, um, they understand that they they totally get they totally get that that being that's a possibility. I mean, l- let me let me explain something. Let me explain something. You know, what, what should I use? Okay, let me use this as an example. All right, nobody thought. Nobody thought that Spider-Man, who, from a movie perspective, who's licensed from a movie perspective, is owned mostly by Sony for the time being. Nobody thought Spider-Man would show up in the MCU, right? No one thought that was going to happen. Excuse me. Well, guess what happens? Guess what occurs? Starting with Captain America Civil War, what happened? What is the one thing that got people talking when one of the first, when the first or second trailer debuted for Captain America Civil War? What well, what got people talking? The uh, that's right, the appearance of Spider Man, something they never thought was going to happen, because there was always all these legal issues, is and stuff, you know. And Sony wanted to do their own thing, which they kind of still want to do at times, you know. When it comes to Spider Man, they wanted to do this, they want to do that, 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 that. They did not. Sony, for a time, did not want to collaborate with the MCU. You know, even though the door was open to make that happen. And by some miraculous way, they finally did it. So you can't, so you have a right to your opinion, but you guys can't tell me that just because you think something's not going to happen because of this or that, then it won't. Because there's a strong possibility that just when you think it won't, it will. And if the world building that Evan Stanley wants to do, you know, with Sonic and his friends, could possibly involve Sally making an appearance, her IDW debut, if you will, in the book to show how she's probably leading her village or her group, group of people in the aftermath of the metal virus. You know, if you don't think that's possible, you have to reevaluate you have to reevaluate a you know the possible how the possible will build will building will go that Evan Stanley has planned. Because again, like I said, nobody thought Spider-Man would, you know, under the nobody thought Spider-Man from a movie perspective would show up in the MCU. But guess what? He did. He showed up in the MCU and it's been nothing more than a success. It's been a you know, home run out of the park. So, again, you can't you can't say that it's not possible because it is. It is definitely possible. You know it. You know it, and I know it. So, to me, I think hashtag Rally for Sally will equal an amount to something, and for the time being, it won't be a game situation. It will be mostly her debuting in the IDW comics. I think that will be the first step. And it will happen possibly next year, in my opinion. I think it's going to happen. Either in the spring or summer of next year, she's going to show up. So so that's my opinion. Will she appear in the games? If the hashtag rally for Sally gets more support? Yeah, I really think she will. But I think as of right now, you know, as of right now, I think the best constellation she's gonna the fans are gonna get out of it is her debut in the IDW book. 
So, you know, that's just that's just my opinion. Again, I know I know some people may disagree with that, and that's fine. You know, more power to you. But I truly believe she's going to show up. Because again, I know I know some of you will also say that it's it's a big there's a big difference between what you're saying when it comes to the whole Spider-Man MCU deal. Okay, yeah, it is a big difference, but it is a similarity. Because nobody, again, like I mentioned before, nobody thought Spider-Man would show up in the MCU. And guess what happened? He did. And he showed up for not just one film, but he showed up for a plethora of films, including two of them that were distributed by Sony, but took place in the MCU. So you had his appearance in Civil War, his two solo films. films well, the uh, first one was not a solo film, but you get the idea. But like I said, he appeared you know, in Civil War. He had his two films. He had Avengers, uh, Infinity War. He had Endgame. And then, he had, and, and, and then he's got a third one coming up. He's got a third one coming up, also within the MCU. So it is a possibility. It is a possibility, guys. So to me, I think hashtag rally for Sally is going to equal Sally showing up in the IDW books, hopefully, in my opinion, by sometime next year, in my opinion, from what I can, from what I can feel. Because like you said, if he... If Evan Stanley wants to do the world building, I think part of that world building has got to include characters new and you know returning, you know debuting in IDW. So, anyway, though, guys, I'll be right back. I gotta go take care of something, but I'll be right back to talk about the final two uh, topics here. I gotta go probably let my dog out to go bathroom, but I'll be right back, guys. Be right back.
Okay, guys, I just had to go check on something. I thought my dog needed help, but she was just walking around, you know, like you have to stretch your legs and all that. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, so thank you uh, for being patient there. Uh, but anyway, I also got me some chips too. So if you hear me uh, see or hear me eating anything, it's it's chips kind of keep me going here. So anyway, let's talk about a fourth topic. And again, like I said, to finish off on the third topic, I do believe Sally's going to show up in the IDW book. Because I think that's going to be the constellation for the time being, uh, starting around next year or around sometime next year, to be you know to make up for the fact that she's not in the game, she won't be in the games yet. But I think her being in the book, part of the world building that Ivan wants to do, I think will be the good constellation. All right, so on to number four, and number four. Number four is basically IDW Comics to publish collector editions. Uh, okay. Number four is IDW Comics to publish collector edition trade paperbacks of Archie's Sonic Comics. Now, I should have put a question mark there, but anyway. Yeah, you know. You know, I, here's the thing about IDW. We've seen them do it with Ninja Turtles, you know, which is another license, another um, franchise they have the comic book license to. We've seen them do it with some of the Disney comics they have comic book license to. So, and even, you know, like Transformers as well and, you know, whatnot, and even G.I. Joe. They've all taken some of the classic uh, issues released, excuse me, released and distributed originally by Marvel and, and, uh, Marvel and, you know, the Walt Disney comics at one point and Boom Studios and, and Archie. You know, we've seen them basically take these uh, comic, these issues, and put and basically collect them all into sets, into volumes, if you will, into volume sets that they would sell as you know as um, trade paperbacks, graphic novels. So, I so here's the thing: Will IDW? do the same thing. IDW, is IDW going to publish collector edition trade paperbacks of the Archie books, of the Archie Sonic books? And I, honestly, I think they will. I really do. I think they will. Come on. And let me explain why that is. You got the 30th anniversary of Sonic coming around next year. What better way can IDW, what better way for IDW to help celebrate that 30th anniversary than to to, than to collab or make some kind of deal with Archie Comics, maybe even reach out if they have the finances to do so. You know, as some people would, you know, criticize them for not having. What if they were to reach out to I, to Archie Comics, to Ken Penders, to maybe Ian, you know, well, they got Ian Flynn right there too, but to reach out to Archie Comics and even Penders and say, look, we're going to put this collaboration, we're going to co- take, we're going to start collecting all the issues of the original Archie book of Sonic and put them together as a trade paperback and then sell it. You know, if IDW could do that, which I think they do have the possibility of doing, you can't say that 
you know, when we enter the 30th anniversary of Sonic next year, that there won't be some kind of announcement, maybe at New York Comic Con this year through the virtualness, because you know they're going to go virtual. Or next year to kind of really, you know, set get a better mood going for Sonic fans, you know, for that year over this year. You can't tell me that they won't attempt to come out and do something like that, because you know what? If they do, Sonic fans, no matter what, will like it. Because one, IDW will be showing, hey, we're not ignoring Sonic's original comic past. We're, we're embracing it. And by having them, you know, re, and by having them possibly come up with the idea to do what they, to do the same thing they've done with the Ninja Turtles, like I said, to do what they've done with the Transformers and all these other licenses, you know, in the past by bringing all the other past publications together into collective volumes, you can't tell me that that's not like an idea just waiting to make money. You can't tell me that's not something that IDW looks at and thinks, hmm, we can make some money off that. Because one, they can they can negotiate with Archie Comics. That's not a problem. They can negotiate with Ken Penders. That's not a problem. And they can make money not just for themselves, but for everybody involved, including Sega. Including Sega. And a lot of fans would be appreciative of it. A lot of fans would love the idea of being able to finally, again, once again, because Archie Comics was doing this too, but once again, maybe even better than before, own trade paperback collector editions of all the original stories in one book. You know, you look at what they did with Ninja Turtles. It took them about, what, 16, 17, 18 issues to complete the entire Archie run? I mean, yeah, it'll probably take IDW a lot longer to do with the Archie with Sonic when it comes to the Archie run, but still, it's something to look at. And I think, from a financial standpoint, you know, it would work. I think it would really, really work. Yeah, and let's see. What do you say, Sonic Mitchell? Ken Pender will want royalties, no doubt. If he were to be invited to science days, he'll still he still was Yeah, I, I get that. You know, f- you know, fans would not be happy if you know. Let's say um, at a convention down the line, he gets invited. Not a lot of fans would embrace him with warm arms. But IDW has proven, like I said, that they're willing to work with anybody to make something like this happen. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Uh, let's see. Let me see if I can get the book out here carefully without knocking things down. Well, went down a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, I, I want you to look at a character here for a second. For a second, okay? Uh, I want to bring this character to light to you guys, okay? 
I know she's in here somewhere. Well, I, I see her anyway. What am I talking about? For that guys, I'm looking through a book right now for those of you listening to the podcast. Ah, here we go. A little bit better. What now, for those of you guys that listen, listening to the audio portion of the podcast. I want you to look up Ninjara, that's N-I-N-J-A-R-A, Ninjara, T-M-N-T. Look that up on Google. But for those of you watching, this is Ninjara here. This is part of the, this was actually her final appearance, the Moon Eyes Saga. The original idea was she was supposed to come back for, um, for another story that they had in the works. Anyway, Ninjara... Ninjara was originally created by, let me see, I think they should have them credited in here. They should have them credited. Let me get my glasses on for a second, guys, and I can try to see. May have to take another break in a moment, guys. Hold on. All right, hold on for a sec, guys. But anyway, I think one of the co-creators of Ninjara, and I'm going to look this up right now on the internet. And again, 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 for those of you listening to the podcast audio-wise, type in um, type in Ninjara TMNT. Um, see, who are the creators for her? All right, let's see. I'm trying to see who was the uh, creators. 
Okay, the creators were Stephen Murphy and Chris Allen. And basically what happened is there's a, a series, another comic book series that came out by another, another publisher. Um, another publisher. I think they were called Radio Comics. By Radio Comics, I think. And... Uh, Talk about that in a moment. Hold on, guys. I'll be right back.
Okay, sorry about that, guys. I had to let my dog actually. This time, actually, my dog had to go by bathroom both one and two. So, sorry about that. I know it might sound a little disgusting to some people, but hey, when you gotta let the pets out to go potty, you know, go to the bathroom, especially if they're indoors most of the time, you they gotta go, they gotta go. You know what I'm saying? Um. Anyway, though, what was I? Oh yeah, um, Ninjara. That's what I was talking about. So anyway, like I said, Ninjara was created according to your. Uh, Totalpedia.fandom.com. If you look under the name Yumiko, which is U-M-E-K-O, uh, Ninjara was created by Stephen Murphy and Chris Allen um, rather than Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. So this is what uh, Totalpedia.fandom.com says, and I quote, uh, since Ninjara was created by Stephen Murphy and Chris Allen rather than Kevin Eastman or Peter Laird, after the Archie series ended, they were allowed to continue using her. She had a brief stint in her own comic, Ninjara's Seed of Destruction, published in Furlog, Furlog, a furry fandom stories magazine from Radio Comics. So far, she has appeared in issues 47, 48, and 52 which I have all three of those. I know, weird. But hey, now I know you're thinking, oh, that's weird, you have those comics? Well, if you read about the fact that one of your favorite TMNT characters is now appearing in those, then yeah, uh, you want to get your hands on those. Uh, Basically, now to continue on what they said, uh, continue on the quote here, it says, or to finish it off, it says, the tagline was, She's not hanging out with teenagers anymore. Okay, so this is basically why she was... So basically that explains why, um, like I said, she was in the... um, You know, this is basically why I'm using her as an example of what I'm talking about uh, when it comes to, you know, IDW having the possibility of doing these trade paperbacks because IDW basically not only went to Archie Comics and Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird to, um, you know, get these books published, but they also went to Stephen Murphy and Chris Allen to get them published as well because Ninjara was involved. I mean, you might think, oh, well, Stephen and Chris probably didn't have a problem. Hey, that might be true, but thing is, she's their character. So she she's their character. She's not an original TMNT character. So for her to be involved in the trade paperbacks here of the TMNT adventures of the Archie books that were known, uh, you know, that went under that name during the Archie run is what I'm trying to say, then then yeah, obviously it shows that IDW will go to great lengths if they have to, to make trade paperbacks, you know, based on other publications of the license they currently have the comic book license to, uh, a reality. You know, they did the same with Transformers. They did the same with any other properties like G.I. Joe. They all did the same thing. I mean, heck, I think IDW had to go to not just Hasbro, and Marvel to get the trade paperbacks done for the Transformers Marvel books, you know, for the stories that were published by Marvel Comics when, um, you know, Transformers, the Transformers comic book license was, was under their name. 
but they also had to get the okay, I think, to utilize one of the stories that involved Spider-Man. Yeah, they had a crossover with Spider-Man, so they had to go to Marvel and say, look, you know, we'll give you some royalties if you let us utilize that story, da-da-da. So they had to work something out. So to me, I don't think it's hard for them to do that here. You know, I don't think it's hard for them to do that here. And I believe, you know, and I and I believe, you know, and I believe, honestly, that, you know, um, IDW would have no problem, despite how you might think about what, what's going on with them eternally and financially, you know, I don't think they wouldn't have a problem publishing, you know, any or republishing the Archie Sonic books, you know, especially with characters that were created originally by Ken Penders. I don't think they have a problem by paying him royalties anytime they have to do a trade paperback that involves a story with the with his characters in there. I don't think they have a problem with that. Again, despite how you might feel about how they're doing internally, financially, internally, I should say. I don't think IDW would have a problem with that because they're willing, as I just showed you, to go out of the way and, you know, not only make a deal with Archie to make these trade paperbacks of TMNT a reality, but also probably go as far as to talk with Stephen Murphy and Chris Allen, the creators of Ninjara, to in, so that she can get included because she was a major part of these stories. It, it shows you that they're willing to do whatever it takes. And I believe with the 30th anniversary, I believe with the 30th anniversary of Sonic just around the just around the corner, I think they'll be willing to do something like that. I really do. Hold on for a second. I'll be right back. She's checking on my dog. She's laying on the floor because she got hot outside. It's about 95 degrees out there. So she's cooling off. Uh, but anyway, like I said, you don't think IDW wouldn't be willing to do that to help celebrate Sonic's 30th anniversary? Of course they would. Even if it's a best of, just like Archie Comics did. Even if it's a best of, like, a trade paperback of some of the best story arcs or one-shot stories that they've done, I don't think IDW would have a problem financially, you know, paying Archie Comics, paying Sega, and paying mostly Ken Penders. I don't think they would have a problem. Because, again, if they're willing to go and do what they did here to get Ninjar to be able to do these publications because, you know, Ninjar is owned by somebody else because, you know, to, you know, like I said, to be able to make these publications, these other volumes of reality... You know, you know what else are they willing to do? How, what other deals are they willing to make? You see what I'm saying? So, in my opinion, I think IDW would be willing to create some collector edition trade paperbacks of the Archie Sonic comics. And again, despite how you might feel about how they're operating financially within the company, I think they have enough money to be like. Hey, uh, they have enough money, in my opinion, to basically get on the phone, you know, to get on the phone and be like, uh, hey, Ken Penders, yeah, you know, we just talked with Archie Comics, and 
we've worked out a deal to where we're going to do these collector these collector edition trade paperbacks of all the Archie Sonic books, and we want to see if you want in, and we'll be willing to pay you whatever you want to utilize the stories to have your characters involved in them. Oh, you oh okay, you need how much? Hey, no problem. Consider it in the mail. Consider the check in the mail. Bam. Thank you. You can't tell me that they would not be willing to make a deal like that. They would. They would. So, in my opinion, I think IDW Comics uh, to publish collector editions of trade paperbacks of the Archie Sonic comics, I think it's possible. And I think with the 30th anniversary of Sonic the Hedgehog as a character, as a character and as, as a franchise coming up next year, I think they'd be more than willing to do something like that to help celebrate. Even if it's a, even if it's a, just a couple of vol, even if it's just a few volume set of the best of when it comes to the Archie series, I think, you know, they'd be willing to do something. They'd be willing to do something like that. So, yeah, IDW, I think they could. I think the, the IDW to publish the collector edition trade paperbacks of Archie Sonic Comics, I think they can, and they, I think they should, and I wouldn't be surprised if they make the announcement that they will. I'm not going to be surprised. So, anyway, now that that's out of the way, let's get on to our fifth and final subject slash topic of these uh Let's get on to our fifth and final subject slash subtopic of the Sonic the Hitchhawk topic on this Topics on My Mind edition, where we talk about two different topics and the subjects involved with them. And next up, we're going to talk about, well, it has to do with me, of course. It has to do with me. And again, hold on for a sec. I'll be right back. Checking something again, guys. But anyway, uh, the fifth and fi- final subject here has to do with me, and mostly, and mostly, as the topic says, or the subject says, or the subtopic says, um, basically, as I adjust my seat here for a second, um, basically. Why it took so long for me to upload the Doomsday Project for episode finale of Sonic Sat AM or Sat AM in general, which is this. This here um, is basically all four final episodes of the Sonic Sat AM series in season two, which is Cry of the Wolf, Druid Hedge, Spy Hog, and the Doomsday Project episode itself. And as you can see right there by the title, see, make sure you guys can see that. As you can see right there by the by the title, it says, this is actually a cover. Just to let you guys know, this is actually a cover from one of the standalone uh, DVD, uh, DVD sets or standalone single DVD releases that uh, N Circle did. N Circle did in collaboration with DHX and DHX. But basically, you can see it says Sonic the Hitchhog, Doomsday Project, and then I added this. This is a, this wasn't there. This is something I added. I said movie, kind of made it almost tried to make it identical to the uh, font that it was right there. But it says movie, and then on the side here, you can see the 
um, the spine right there. I didn't spell project correctly there. That was my fault. And then on the inside, you have the, the disc and then like the original slipcover I had for it. And then on the back, that's the, uh, the back cover, um, as you can see. It's got a lot of the scenes from uh, from basically the all the episodes. So, yeah, I basically put this together. And um, what I did, uh, and I've talked about this before, but it's a long, long story short. It's my boxes. It's my box. And my camera falls here. <laughs> but long story short. I've tried recording this on several different occasions with several different DVDs. And uh, basically, finally, one day, I think it was my, I think it was my Sony recorder, I think, my Sony DVD recorder, I think. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was my Sony DVD recorder that I got for my birthday. And what I did what I did is I carefully, just one day, um, I think around, what was it, 2013, I believe? It wasn't 2009. It was 2013, I think. I didn't actually uh, number it here, but I can look here on uh, DeviantArt. It will give me an idea. So we're going to go to DeviantArt for a second. But basically, I decided one day to sit back and... Um, as the old saying, well, basically sit back one day and carefully, carefully, ladies and gentlemen, edit together all final four episodes as a movie. And as I've mentioned before, and I'll mention it again, uh, what I did, what I did is I'm going to go to gallery here for a second. Hold on. Uh, what I did basically Let me spell that for a second. Hold on. But what I did basically, I think it was uh, what's around here. Let's see what year it says. Yeah, 2011. Between 2011 and 2013, mainly. It was like 2013, I think. Uh, what I did. What I did basically is I used my new uh, Sony DVD recorder and I carefully edited, edited, I should say, all the episodes together. I carefully edited all the episodes together. And basically what it, the way I did it was I went to Doomsday Project first, did the intro and the title card, and then as soon as it went to black, paused it, you know, went to Cry of the Wolf, went to the episode, then to cry, then went to the main menu, went to Cry of the Wolf, let the intro on the title card play there, and as soon as that faded to black, I unpaused it, and it feel and it basically feels like it starts with and basically when you watch it, and you can see it here on my channel, when you watch it, 
it feels like you're watching a movie because you get the intro, you get the title card for Doomsday Project, but then as it fades to black, fades out to black and then fades in from black, you go right into Cry of the Wolf. It feels like it's just one big thing. And it's the same thing for each and every uh, episode after that. So like after Cry of the Wolf, instead of getting the credits, it fades to black, pause, unpause, you go right into Druid Hedge. Same with, you know, Druid Hedge going into Spy Hog and into, oh, of course, into Doomsday Project. And I know some people might have their differences about this and everything, and that's cool. It's not a problem. But um, here's the thing. To, to get back, onto, back on track here as to why it took me so long to uh, upload it, um, if you will, the reason it took me so long was the copyright situation. You see, back when I did this and I first told people about it, I had people asking me to upload it onto YouTube. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I don't want to do that. I don't want to risk losing my channel or anything like that. But then I, I guess what started to convince me that maybe it's not so bad is when I saw somebody actually take the two-parter Blast to the Past and kind of do something very similar. Basically, they took both episodes, sliced them together into one deal. And I... And I saw how long it had been on, on YouTube, you know, like lengthwise, like time-wise, like years, month, whatever. And I'm like, okay, so if they could have that on here, um, then maybe it shouldn't be a problem for me to do mine. And I, but still, even after watching that, I was still kind of reluctant because, you know, as a lot of people from uh, Dr. Wolf to uh, Zara Nizarak to, you know, Josh Gorcher to, you know, Angry Joe to many people that have talked about this, you never knew what was going on with YouTube's algorithm, if you will, and the whole copyright situation. So I kind of, even though I saw somebody put Blast of the Past on there and I would see other episodes pop up, I kind of like took my time. I was like still a little reluctant, like, you know, I could do it, but I don't want to take a chance. So finally, I don't know what it was, but something just said, go ahead and do it. See what happens. And I decided, okay, the 27th anniversary of the show just passed recently. Might as well see what, what I can do. Maybe, maybe it won't be so bad. Uh, because the only thing that kept that held me back from doing it originally was, like I said, the copyright. And um, as soon as I uploaded it, what hap- what I expected to happen did happen. I got copyrighted, but the catch, the catch was, it wasn't taken off. The only catch was the copyright basically stated that I if I wanted to, could not make money off, off the, doom, off the uh, Doomsday Project thing. I couldn't make money off it. The only people that can make money are the people that got, that, you know, own owned the license to it. So in other words, like DHX, you know, stuff like that, and Circle, Cookie Jar, DHX, they're the ones that own the rights to it. So I couldn't 
So even though I could upload it and people could still view it, I can't make money off it. If I was, if I was to monetize my channel, I couldn't make money off it because it's not my, it's not my legal property. I'm just, you know, I'm just uploading it, you know, for others to see and kind of like, I guess, giving free advertisement out to, you know, DHX and all of them for, for people to see the series. Because one thing I do notice is even with the smallest of clips, on the right-hand side, YouTube will have this big ad for the show that you got the clip from or the episode you got the clip from and say, hey, you know, you want the rest? Come on in here and pay like $1.99, $2.99 for the episode, and there you go. Or pay 20 bucks here for the whole season, and that's it. And... I guess that, and what, and I guess that's kind of the silver lining that even though you can't make money off it, off money, something off, you can't make money off something like this. The silver lining is you're giving free advertisement, and the other, and you know, what I'm saying is the silver lining is you're giving free advertisement, even though you can't make money off it, but they're allowing you to keep it on. So that's the kind of silver lining, like. You know, you can keep it on, you just can't make money. And it kind of helps them advertise, you know, advertise it um, as well. Advertise people to buy it anyway. Um, but yeah, overall, overall, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, finally putting this up here on YouTube, like I said, the reason I was reluctant is because I didn't want to take a chance. You know, I didn't want to chance the fact that, oh, you know, it's going to get taken off. Thankfully, that didn't happen. Because, like I said, I think what's... Uh, and I've said this before, and I talked about my the copyright situation in one video. Uh, basically, I think a lot of studios are realizing, hey, we're getting free advertisement. The only thing we could do is just say, hey, look, thank you for the free advertisement, but since we're the ones that created it, made it a reality, we're going to make the money but you can keep your video up and that's it. And that's pretty much what they did. That, that's pretty much what they did. So um, I'm appreciative of it, even though, you know, like I, I can't make money off it if I wanted to, even though some people might say it's fair use. Um, I'm appreciative of what they're doing by allowing us to still keep it on there. Because again, studios like that realize, Hey, we get free advertisement. People that might be invested will come over and say, "Hey, we want to, we want to watch the video, we want to see more," and they'll see, you know, the advertisement, how much they can pay for it, and be like, "Hey, I can afford that." Boom, be done. So, so yeah, I, I think, I think honestly, it's a, it's kind of a win-win in a sense. It's a kind of a win-win on both sides. You know, again, I know not a lot of people like the idea of. Being, uh, you know, for those especially that montage their channels, make money off their channels, don't like the idea of they use something copyright that, you know, that they can't make money off it. But hey, look at it this way the silver lining, you keep your video on the air, uh, on the site without a problem. The non silver lining is you just can't make money off it. Anyway, though, anyway, though, th yeah, that, that's basically why it took me so long because I was not unsure. I was unsure about the whole copyright situation. But thankfully, you know, it is up there. My original plan was to put it on my Vimo account. But because Vimo wants you to upgrade to something else before you could do that, 
I decided, you know what, I'm going to wait and I'll test it out here, see what happens. And, you know, thankfully, you know, things turned out all right. Again, the only non-silver lining is even if I wanted to, I can't make money off it because, you know, I didn't originally create it. I mean, I pieced it together. I sliced it together, you know, to become, to make it into this movie. But that's about it. You know, I don't own, I didn't go out and originally, like, like I said, create it or anything like that. So, but I'm very thankful that at least it's up there uh, for people to enjoy. As a matter of fact, when it was premiered, when it premiered, basically, uh, it had some people watch. It got about 40-something views in its premiere. And then all of a sudden, after the premiere was over, over and it was back, and it became just a, you know, regular, you know, upload. All of a sudden, the views started climbing and climbing and climbing. And it's been five days, and already I'm... 10 views away from 200 and I know that's not much, but still that's pretty, pretty impressive to get to that, to get that amount within, you know, the, you know, to get to that amount within, within less than a week. So it's, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. So anyway, though, guys, um, that's going to do it for the Sonic portion of this uh, special edition of Topics on My Mind. And now, hold on, Tark. Now, we're going to go into the My Little Pony portion. Yes. I know we're about two hours in, so I do apologize. I mean, when you have to let your animals out to go potty, like I said, and everything, and you have to check up on stuff, it takes a bit. So, but yeah, now we're into the My Little Pony portion. Hopefully, this won't go too long. And the first topic we're going to talk about for MLP is the chief is something that Dr. Wolf actually talked about this morning. And that is a G4 fan artist. I'm a Lou uh, did or has done freelance character design work on the upcoming 2021 movie. That's right. We actually had a fan. Um, I think you can look them up online. That called I'm a Lou. That's a, that's, I-M-A-L-O-U, L-O-U, uh, I-M-A-L-O-U, uh, did some work. And you can look this up on Equestria Daily, too. That It's in there as well. Did some work on the 2021 movie. And this is actually pretty good news because I think Dr. Wolf said it best that, you know, to see studios like Boulder Media, which is behind the movie, allowing fan artists to come in and help, you know, work on the movie artistically kind of shows you that DHX, well, not DHX, but uh, Hasbro Hasbro understands how important the fan base is when it comes to something like MLP. 
So to have an actual fan come in there and freelance and do some freelance work on the movie is definitely a good sign uh, because it definitely, because when you have somebody come in and do freelance work of any kind and they're a fan, you know, of course that company, that studio is going to want to, um, they're going to want some kind of input from that fan. Like, okay, what do the fans want? What would they like to see? How would they like to see the characters interact? So that's a good thing. It is a good thing to know that Amalu um, got this opportunity and probably still has this opportunity um, at Boulder Media to to do this. I think it's great. Um, so, yeah, not, not really much to say, but congrats to Amalu for doing that and, you know, really kind of, uh, cementing the fact that, you know, at least Hasbro acknowledges and now b- through Boulder Media acknowledges that, hey, you know, MLP, you know, even though originally it was meant for little girls and even little boys, it's got this adult fan base that's like, hey, you know, we're here. We're more vocal than they are. You know, we're willing to help, you know, we're more vocal than they are and we're willing to show you how much of a fan fan we are and how far this this franchise can be taken. So yeah, uh, Amalu, congrats on it. And uh, again, I think this is just a good example of, you know, Hasbro realizing, you know, the, what they have when it comes to their fan bases, no matter what the franchise is. So hopefully we'll see more uh, fan artists of MLP and maybe even Transformers or G.I. Joe, whatever, you know, get involved down the line uh, when it comes to Hasbro properties being adapted into animated series, movies, or whatever. So, yeah, pretty good. Congrats to Imalu. And it's great to hear about that. And I can just imagine right now what the designs or at least what her portion to the movie is going to look like when it's all said and done. So, yeah, can't wait to see what the end result, what the finished result is going to, to be. All right, so now on to our second topic. Our second topic is... The next Season 10 arc um, to come is about Scootaloo and her family. Now, in case you guys are wondering, well, what are you talking about Season 10? Season 10 actually is a comic exclusive. It's within the same continuity as the animated series. Right now, we're going through, it looks like a four-part arc where we have our first team group um, journeying you know, outside of Equestria or within and outside of Equestria to kind of spread the message of friendship. Uh, it looks really good. I have to watch, I have to read the other parts eventually, but it looks really good. And it's giving more kind of characterization to characters like Zakora and, um, and, and, and Rock Hoof, I think. So it's pretty good. Pretty cool there. And including Tempest Shadow. So I like it. I really like that. So now the next one, I don't know if it's a one-shot issue or two-shot issue. I don't know what it is. But it's going to involve Scootaloo and the return of her parents. Now, animation-wise, the last thing, the last time we saw Scootaloo, uh, when it came to her family, she was staying with her aunts. She was staying with her LGBTQ aunts. No offense on that. She was staying with her LGBTQ aunts. And basically, her parents were still journeying in Equestria. Well, her parents are coming back again. And I don't know if it's going to be a similar premise or what's going to happen. i got to look into it. 
But yeah, season 10's next arc after this one with Zakora and Applejack and all that is going to involve Scootaloo. So it's going to be. Gonna be good for the Hold on. I'm going to check something here. I'm looking up a Crestia Daily. They have it in here. I know they do. guys. Sorry about the tune for those that are listening to the audio. Just seeing some chips here. But yeah, like I said, basically the next arc in the season 10, uh, in the comic adaption of season 10, or continuation of the animated series, which is season 10, it's going to focus on Scootaloo and her parents. Like I said, if I can find it here, I will. I'll find information on it here, I will. may have to go to comics just to uh, read about that. Official comic. Okay, here it is. Ninety three. It's the answer will get the focus in um, issue ninety three. See if we can read this.
Okay, so it says here, this is a synopsis for issue 93, which is the next, next arc or next story. It says, Snapshutter and, and Main Alagood. Okay, Snapshutter and Main Algood are back in Ponyville. Scootaloo is beyond excited for her parents to visit, but when it comes, but when it becomes clear that they don't have much in common, Scoot, Scoot, Scoots learns that there's no right or wrong way to be a family, and that's okay. Hmm. So basically, so basically, it looks like you might be dealing with divorce or something. So So it sounds that's what it sounds like. That, that that's what it sounds like. So yeah. It looks like it it sounds like it's a one shot deal. You know, so it it sounds like it's a one shot deal and it looks like it may be dealing with possible divorce. I'm not saying it it will. Like I said, I don't, I'm not saying they will, but it sounds like that's the direction they're going in. And um, you know, it'll be interesting what they do. Uh, but it definitely gives you an idea, basically, based on what they're doing with Scootaloo here and making this possibly a one-shot deal, what their plan is, what kind of the pattern they're going to go with. Like this, Like what we got right now with Sakura and Applejack, and Tempest, and um, and Rockhoof. You know, what's going on with them right now, being in this four-part Zakora story that expands on her character? Um, basically, to me, I, it kind of gives you... It, basically, what I'm saying is, right now, we're involved in this four-part arc, basically. So what that tells me is that the pattern's going to go like this. It's going to be Four issues based on one story, which equals, I guess, four-part episode or whatever, one episode or two-part episode. And then we'll have a break. We'll have one issue dedicated to a solo story or whatever. And then another four-parter, then another one issue, then another four-parter, then another one issue. That That's kind of the vibe I'm getting. It's the vibe I'm getting. So if they're going to do a one-shot deal with 93, that tells me that 94, 95, 96, and 97, you know, are going to be four-parters, are going to be a four-part deal as well, and that 98, 99, and 100 might be individual. I'm not really saying they will, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I know a lot of people probably watching this right now, watching it or listening to it, in it later are hoping that maybe 
We might get a bit of sparity in there, spike rarity deal, which I wouldn't mind at all, especially as we approach 100. That would be something for 100. Like, okay, we're going to finally address this in the book as well. So that that would be something. I'm not saying it will happen, but uh, yeah, basically, uh, but yeah, basically um, the next issue or the next story after the Zakora Applejack one that we got right now will be a one, maybe two part deal with Scootaloo's parents. Uh, if it's two parts, then that kind of makes a little bit more sense because then you can go 93, 94, and then like 95, 96, 97, 98. There you go. And then you could do another two parter for 99 and with 100 being the 100th issue concluded there uh, as well. So that'd be, it, it's, it's all going it, to, it'll be really, so. To me, it's going to be interesting on how this is addressed. Uh, right now, it looks like it's just going to be like four issues, one story, one issue, one story, four issues, whatever. And then maybe we'll get a three-part or two-part or three individual stories leading into 100. So, um, so yeah, it looks it sounds the synopsis sounds intriguing. It sounds like it's teasing the possibility of divorce. Because basically the way it sounds is Scootaloo is going to learn that, hey, there's no wrong way of being a right or wrong way of being a family. And usually when someone says that of there's no right or wrong way of being a family, especially when it comes to parents not having much in common anymore, that usually leads to the idea that divorce is going to be involved. So um, we'll see what happens. And see what happens, but it's nice to see that Scootaloo uh, is getting another focus story for her, for her and her family, because I think a lot of people would agree that when the, her family premiered in the final season, that there was just too much, there was so much more they could have done with them, and now we're going to get that opportunity here. So yeah, that's the next story. So yeah, the next uh, season ten arc to come will deal with Scootaloo and her family and the possibility of divorce within that story. So be interesting to see what happens. All right, so number three, and hold on for a sec. I'll be right back again. Just checking on something, folks. Okay, so next up, the number three topic that we got going here. What could be the next MLP crossover after Transformers and IDW? Well, that is an interesting question, isn't it? Because everybody, everybody's been wanting this crossover right here to, to happen in some way, and it's doing, and it's currently happening. I have the first two issues. I have the first two issues to prove that. So now, though, the question is exactly... You know, what could be next? What could be the next crossover for MLP to make within IDW? Now, you might say, well, we kind of have an idea of what the crossover next crossovers could be with these new pony crossover toys they're doing. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons could be one. You know, Ghostbusters could be one. Yeah, that's all true. I'm not denying they can't. That couldn't be a possibility. I'm not saying it couldn't be a possibility. I mean... Can you imagine that the next crossover that gets announced is the main six showing up in New York? Not as humans, though, but as the regular selves and interacting with the Ghostbusters crew, 
of Egon, Peter, you know, Ray, Winston. Can you imagine that? You know, Slimer, Jane, you know, um, Jeanette, Jeanette, Janine. Can you imagine that? Imagine that interaction there between, like I said, Peter, Ray, Winston, Egon, um, Slimer, and Janine. Can you imagine the interaction they would have seeing these talking ponies? Um, you know, and Dungeons and Dragons could work too. I mean, I probably wouldn't be able to get the comic, just like I won't be able to get the figure, unfortunately, because long story short, um, and, and, and this is a sore thing for me to talk about, a sore thing for the person that sent it to me to, to hear, because here's the deal. Back when we lived in Patterson, uh, I don't know who, I think it was Frank Hill or his, um, it was Frank Hill or, I can't think of the name right now, I do apologize. Ignacio, Ignacio Hernandez. Frank Hill and Nacio Hernandez, one of them sent me a package of DVDs, and I appreciated that. However, one of them, and this is a sore subject for me to say, one of them was the Dungeons and Dragons animated series. What happened was it got delivered on a Saturday. My mom wanted to know what was in there because she would have found out anyway. You know, she was curious. And again, I can't hide anything from her at times because she will find out. Uh, Especially when, you know, she's cleaning your room or something like that. She will find out something, especially if it's out in the open. So she wanted to know. She was just curious what, what was sent to me. Because like I said, it came on Saturday morning. And the moment I showed her, I mean, I was reluctant at first. I'm thinking... Oh, you know, she's going to find out eventually. Should I show her? Should I not? So knowing she might find out anyway, I showed it to her and she said, nope, it's gone. (laughs) That's what she told me. She said, it's gone. Basically, what's an example I can use? Okay. So Wildcats here is a two-disc set, and I think that's what Dungeons and Dragons was. It was a two-disc set as well. I think it was two or three. It might have been two. No, it was two. But anyway, it was basically two discs. She saw it because, again, like I said, I had a feeling she would find out eventually. And she's like, nope, put it in the trash. You can't. We're not going to have that stuff here. And here's why. Here's why she was always against. she's against it. Um, here's why she's against it. She basically, back when we were kids, back when I was a kid, heard on the news that somebody had seen something unnatural in the house. Something just not of this world, supernatural, whatever, in the house that wasn't human, if you will. So... Because of that, a lot of parents, religious or non-religious, started to boycott, mostly moms, started to boycott Dungeons and Dragons. They started to go against it. 
They started to get it removed from the shelves. This is why the show didn't last long. This is why whenever they did movies, the movies would be rated PG-13, maybe even R, because of the fact that they didn't want their kids watching it because of that one thing. Well, anyway, anyway, um, my mom was always been strong about that. She always disdained it. And like I said, even if it was the cartoon, she didn't want it in the house. She didn't want it in the house. So it was uh, it was a uh, it was hard for me to do. It was hard for me to put it in the trash and throw it out, but I did. And look, I'm appreciative of what Ignacio Hernandez or Frank Hill did. They had good intention. But because of what happened many years ago, over a few decades ago, you know, my mom and other moms out there who are now grandmas or great grandmas are like, look, you bring that stuff in our house, it goes out. It goes into trash. You can't tell me that. You can't tell me that's not true because it is. And and again, it's so weird that, you know, not to get off topic, but it's so weird that, as I mentioned before, if you were to um, give an option, if you were to, what, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? Hold on, I'm trying to think. You know, if you were to, you know, give an op, give an option to, you know, to whoever, what I'm trying to say is, if you, yeah, I, I think I mentioned this in my countdown I recently did. But if you were to give an option to uh, to your parents at that time of what shows th- would they rather you watch that you know might be less you know controversial, they would choose the latter over D and D. That's it. If you were to say, "Oh, what do you want? Wh- what would you choose between the Smurfs and D and D?" They'd say, "You watch Smurfs, He Man, Masters of the Universe, D and D, He Man." That's about it. That's what they would. That's what they would say. That's what they would say. And that's the truth. That's the absolute truth. Now I understand. There's a lot of people that are Christians, like I am, that play D and D, and there's no. They have no problem with it. Uh, I'm pretty sure that they pray before they do it because of what they've heard back when they were a kid. But still, you know, it's just one of those situations to where. Um, like I said, the fr- my friends had my friends online had good intentions. They just didn't know that. That's pretty much it. They didn't know. Um, but yeah, getting back on subject, you know, I mentioned this before. You know, Ghostbusters could be a good crossover next for them to help promote the plasma main toy. Uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons D and D is a good crossover material because obviously they have to know about. Because one thing Hasbro probably knows about, and it's obvious, is 
you know, the Brony fandom, the Brony and Pegasus the fandom. And they have to probably know about Brony D&D that Josh Scorcher, Dr. Wolf, and all of them play. Uh, and they showcase here on YouTube. So you can't tell me that maybe they wouldn't consider doing a Dungeons and Dragons MLP crossover, which would actually be interesting. So there's a lot of possibilities. G.I. Joe and MLP would be great. Heck, people were out. Heck, people want to see a Sonic and My Little Pony crossover since now both licenses are under IDW. So you know any of those any of those crossovers could be possible. Heck, you want to put Rom in there with the MLP? Do a Rom My Little Pony crossover? Perfect. The Micronauts in My Little Pony. <laughs> That's like that writes itself right there. Have the Micronauts show up in the world, and it's like, oh, we can ride up on the pony nails. Wee, <laughs> you know. Um. Anyway. You know, that, that writes itself. You know, you want to have them interact with Mask? You know, the mobile, uh, mobile, uh, the mobile armor to strike, strike sit, uh, team? You know, have them do that. That'd be great, too. Oh, heck, what about Jim? Jim and the holograms. That's something fans wouldn't mind seeing. Again, there's so many crossovers, in my opinion, that MLP could do now. The MLP from a Hasbro perspective, could do, and even a non-Hasbro perspective can do, since IDW not only has their license, courtesy of Hasbro, but they have all these other licenses. The possibility, again, is just endless. But if I was to choose one as a legitimately a more logical next uh, crossover within IDW for them to do with MLP, I... I'm going to have to go with Jem. I think Jem is the most logical next choice. I know they're not doing the comic that much anymore, but if you bring MLP into their universe as they are, not as Equestria Girls, but as themselves, I mean, you could do an Equestria Girls crossover with Jem too. That would work. You know, since you have them as a, since in Equestria Girls, the main seven is a band. So that would work. That, that writes itself right there. But I think either way, you know, I think I think either way could work. You could have, you know, the MLP, the main seven, the main six from the Friendship is Magic show up as themselves in the human world. Or you could have Jim and her band show up in the pony world and maybe by some freak accident go through that pony transformation that all humans go through and become pony versions of themselves. So, again... The possibility is endless there, but if I was again, if I was to be, if I was to be legitimately logical on who I think could be the next MLP crossover in IDW, it's got to be Gem. It's got to be Gem and the Holograms. I mean, I mean Transformers people didn't expect, thinking that's not a good crossover. Gem and the Holograms could be the crossover they would want. So. So I, I think honestly, yeah. I, so I think honestly, Gem and the Holograms is the possibly the next big one, you know, after Transformers, because if you can do Transformers, because here's the thing: 
Transformers and G.I. Joe is always expected, no matter who the publisher is. But Jim and My Little Pony is also expected at times, and I think that's the next one. So, yeah, the next crossover, in my opinion, despite the ones I just mentioned, because there's so many possibilities, I think the next one's got to be Gem and the Holograms and my little crossing over with My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. You know, that's that's what I think. That's my opinion. I think that's the next one. And I think, you know, IDW is considering that as well. All right. So number four. Number four is an interesting one because um, I should take this to to them as well. Uh, but the next one's quite interesting, and that is, and hold on while I get ready to tag this. Oops, I hit my profile page instead. Oh, my profile icon on Twitter. Here you go. But anyway, the next topic here, we'll get into it, is what the future may hold for both Bronies React and Analysis Bronies React. Yeah, you heard me right. What the future may hold. Now, uh, for both Bronies React and Analysis Bronies React. Now, now here's the thing. When you compare the two, because both can be seen here on YouTube, Brody's React, which is a reaction series that's uh, created by AC Racebest, um, or at least founded and created mostly by AC Racebest, is a collaboration of all the initial reactions that fellow Bronies and Pegasisters have to season premieres, season finales, special episodes, movies, you name it. So... What does the future hold for them? We'll talk about that in a moment. But now, you also heard me mention Analysis Bronies React. Analysis Bronies React is similar to Bronies React. The only thing is it's a different group of people. You see, with AC Racebest, with Bronies React, you have a, you have some of the regulars. Like, with Bronies React, you have AC Racebest, Toodles, you have Saber Spark, uh, you have... Jack's Blade, you have Silver Quill, at times you have Josh Scorcher, at times you have um, I Love Kim Possible a lot, you have Lost Narrator at times, you know, just a bunch of people that, just a bunch of other uh, fans as well that's sort of like regulars or semi regulars, uh, like Palo, I think, is one of them as well as a regular, but you have people that are like a regular, if not semi regular. Uh, reaction contributors that appear in these reaction videos that AC puts together. On the other hand, with the analysis Bronies React, it mostly at times consists of Dr. Wolf, Golden Fox and Keyframe, ANY, Thespio, Midnight Sonata, uh, at times Josh Scorcher, um, 
Selpex, I think. And, uh, oh, Voice of Reason. You know, just some of the, most of the people you might see at times, you know, doing collabs with, with Josh on his Fab Equestria, or you might see doing collabs with, and I think Lightning Bliss has also contributed to the analysis of React as well. So you kind of see, uh, a, so you see basically, a, it's kind of, so basically what, so what I'm trying to say is you kind of get a similar feel with them. They're kind of like the same group of people, same regular group of people that come in every now and, you know, that, you know, join up with each other to react to, as I said, premieres, finales, movies, or what have you. The only difference, though, between the two is Bronies React has been more active than the analysis Bronies React uh, in the past few years. The last um, analysis Bronies React that I know of, and I'm looking it up right now. Hopefully, I can still look it up. Hold on, guys. The last analysis Bronies React was two years ago, two to three years ago. And that was it. That was the last one. The recent Bronies React, though, was the finale. It was the last problem. It was the finale. So now the the question is raised, what does the future hold for both? Well, for Bronies React, for AC Race Best Bronies React, Bronies React um, I think that's still going to keep going. Uh, you know, they got a quick, they got several other, they got a lot of episodes. They got over 200 episodes that they could look into besides maybe rewatch some of the uh, season finales and premieres that they watched before or haven't watched yet. They also have several of the, um, several more of the Equestria Girls movies or specials they could look into. Um, I know I would love to see them do a reaction to Best Gift Ever. I would love to see them do a reaction to Rainbow Road Trip. So there's plenty of them to do. There's plenty of plenty of material them for to MLP wise uh, for them to react to. That I don't think they're going to run out of material. So it's just so whatever's planned next. Hopefully it'll be worth it. Again, I'm hoping the next one they do is on Best Gift Ever because. You know, that came out basically, it's going to be, what, two years ago, this uh, this month, upcoming month. So I think it'd be nice if they did a reaction video to that in time for the holidays, just to see how they might react to how it's, <laughs> how the story, how the, the synopsis of the story goes and how it reflects on each character. So I would love to see the reaction to that. Uh, as far as analysis Bronies React goes, uh, again, we haven't seen it for, for quite some time. I, I think one of the reasons we all know why they probably stopped doing it uh, was the whole Toon Critic Y2K deal. Uh, we all know what happened there. So uh, I don't know if that contributed, may have contributed contributed uh, to them not doing reaction videos anymore. But what's funny is that, you know, it's been, what, two years now? Two year and a half, two year and a half, two years uh, since the whole incident. I honestly, in my opinion, I think I think it's safe enough now for them to come back and probably do more analysis. Brody's react. I also no look. I understand they probably have other occupations in real life that take precedent over doing a 
an analysis bonus react uh, video or contribution for analysis bonus react. I get that. I'm totally fine with that. I get it. Um, but in my honest opinion, you know, I, I think the time is right. I think the timing is, is right for them to at least contribute to contribute to it again. I mean, I know they're working on the um, TF2 analysis stuff, which is great. I know the main focus is on that at times, as well as doing on occasions on the weekends, like I mentioned earlier, the Brony D&D stuff. But um, if I'm Dr. Wolf and I'm Keyframe and, and I'm Golden Fox, you know, and I'm Voice and anybody else involved, like Cellpex and, and Lightning Bliss and whoever, um, I think honestly... I think, honestly, I would consider bringing it back. I would consider it. I mean, you don't have Toon Critic to worry about anymore because he's not going to, he's not involved, he's not allowed to be involved in anything, um, uh, any of the projects anymore because of what he's done. And ever since then, I think you've gained some more new fans in, uh, in the Brony, that have become well known in the Brony and Pegasus community that I think doing a kind of revamping, bringing it, bringing back analysis, Bronis React would, would be a great uh, direction to go in. I mean, I would like to see, um, you know, like I would like to see, you know, Aramount, you know, contribute to it along with Josh. So I, again, I think the door is, is open, but I understand it's up to them if they want to, you know, reopen it completely and say, Hey, we're bringing this back because, like with the Bronis React videos, you know, done by AC Race Best, the hopefully, you know, they'll realize that hey, there's more material and content we could react to. So, yeah, I think the timing is right for them to bring back analysis Bronis React, and you know, hopefully they will. And you know, again, just like with AC Race Best Bronis React um, videos, I think, I believe, hopefully that they'll realize that there's a lot more content they can react to because, excuse me, because I've been watching, I've been rewatching the reaction to the crystalline, the season six premiere. And I think it's some of the best work. So, you know, so to me, I think the door is open, open for them to, you know, to bring it back. And if they bring it back, I guarantee you fans will be happy to see it. Um, you know, and again, like I said, I understand why they're not doing it because of what's gone on, but you know what you can do? You know what you can do? Honestly, if you don't, because there's a lot of people that do reaction videos to the season seven analysis, Bronis react, you know, trying to keep that part, part alive because that suddenly disappeared. You know what you could do? You don't want tune critic seen, um, in the video, just, um, Unfortunately for Golden Fox, and I say this with all due respect because I like Golden Fox's reviews, and I like you know how him and Keyframe work together, um, you know in real life as well as with the OCs. I think they do a great job. You know, I still get a kick out of the. Um, uh, I still get a kick out of the uh, what was it the, the Mission Impossible or Mission Unimpossible kind of. Um, short that they did for TF2 analysis where at the end, uh, Golden Fox is going on, onto the teleport and saying, I'm coming, Snoopy Poo, and 
Next thing you know, you see voice right there that's standing on the hill going like, three, two, one, boom! And then it goes Golden Fox from one building to another doing the goofy yell. And then uh, Keyframe's reaction over the uh, walkie-talkie like, you know, that's what he gets for calling me Snoopy-poo. Yuck! And then we see the end result of what happened to Golden Fox and <laughs> Keyframe's response to him when he's saying, hey, I was just trying to protect you. She levitates with her, she has an OC of herself, levitate uh, a frying pan, just bang them on the head with it. Uh, again, they just work well together. And, and, and that's something you don't always see sometimes, but, um, you know, within a fandom like this. But anyway, like I said, you know, I think, you know, like I said, what I'm trying to say is, I think what they can do, unfortunately for Golden Fox, is, you know, just cut out, you know, the reactions that, he and he and voice, and uh, he not he and voice, but he and tune uh, did just cut them out. That's it, you know. Act like they never happened, and restitch it together. Restitch it together, and there you go. You know, the only thing that's taken out is the whole uh, tune critic deal, and that's it, because you know. Let's see. Um, Uh, the crystalline, no. I mean, there are some videos on there. There's no doubt. Now, there's still some old reaction videos they did, but uh, again, if you know, if they, but again, like I said, people are still reacting to the season seven premiere that they react that they reacted to, and I think if they want to make, they want to step for or step through that door and you know bring analysis Bronies react back that if you are worried about the season seven one, all you have to do is just edit out the reactions of golden and tune. And there you go. Just act like it never happened. There you go. Uh, it's not that hard to do. You know, it's not that hard to do uh, whatsoever. Um, anyway, though, again, I, I think the timing is right for analysis bonus reacts to come back. And just like with AC Race Best, as I mentioned in his Burns React videos, I think there's just a lot of material for them to still cover. And I think they know that. So, yeah, honestly, I think the time is right for analysis Burns React to come back. And I think for AC Race Best Burns React, I think the next one they hopefully will do is Best Gift Ever because we know we have the holidays coming up. And that would be something nice to see them react to and kind of give their thoughts on overall. So, in my so basically that's my opinion of what the future may hold uh, for both Bronies React, the AC Race Best uh, version, and the Analysis Bronies React that hasn't you know done a reaction video in about a year and a half, two years. So, so yeah, that's that's my thoughts on that. That's my thoughts on that. And now to close it out, we go to our number five topic, which is. Why, which is basically that, which is basically entitled, Why, in my opinion, Grogar was the original planned villain for the final season till plans were changed. That's right. Now, you're probably wondering what I'm talking about when, it's, when it comes to saying that, in my opinion, Grogar was the original planned villain. 
Um, I, I think it's just obvious, you know, you can have the creative staff say whatever they want to say to kind of make you believe that that wasn't the case. And here's the thing about, here's the thing about entertainment in any shape, form or any shape, form or matter, you know, basically the studio, the people behind the scenes, if they're interacting with the fans, it's their Basically, it's their duty, if you will. It's their duty to, you know, kind of keep the fans guessing, make them wonder, you know, whether or not, you know, what they just saw was planned or it was improvised or it was or basically basically the that's what basically what I'm saying is the studio, the people behind the scenes. Their job is to make the fans, make the viewers guess as to exactly what just happened. Like whether or not what they saw was planned, as I mentioned, or as I was trying to say, or it was improvised, or was it changed from the original plan that was into something that they just saw. And to me, I think, honestly, the Grogar situation for the final season, animation-wise of MLP, Friendship is Magic, falls into that category because why would you tease the possibility of this guy showing up all the way back in season seven, you know, in the episode flurry of emotions, why would you tease that and then present him the way you did have it hyped up the way you did even before the final season began? Why would you do all that? Only to have it turn out to be Discord in the only to have it turn out to be Discord the whole time. I mean, that was trying to that was basically doing this to boost up Twilight's confidence as the future leader of Equestria. What what sense did that make? You see, a lot of people will you know a lot of people were wondering or still wondering, and or should I say are still wondering what was the point? What sense did that make? And a lot of people would find holes in there. Like, you know, look, this didn't make sense. Like, you know, you're building up, you built, you, you basically spent the season building this guy up, as you know, this Grogar up, and now you're just saying, oh, it was really Discord in disguise the whole time. Whoopee! It's like, you know, you got to say, you got to think to yourself, what logical sense did that make? Now, some, like myself, have come out and kind of suggested and mentioned that there's, reasons why it made sense but we've also kind of agreed people like myself and others have agreed that it sometimes doesn't make sense it's like yeah that doesn't add up you know what's the deal anyway um long story short or basically to get to the point getting back on topic here you know i firmly believe i don't know and i've thought about this for a while I firmly believe Grogar was in, was originally intended to be the final villain. I don't think there was going to be... I don't think, honestly, that the terrible trio was meant to be the final obstacle. I mean, yes, from a familiarity standpoint, as I've talked about before, and others have said the same thing, that from a familiarity standpoint, it did make sense. But when you really think about it, each of the villains had their own reasoning to get back at Twilight and her friends. 
Tirek wanted to get back at Twilight and her friends for him being defeated by the Rainbow Power. Um, Crystalis wanted to get even with Starlight. You know, Cozy Glow obviously would want to... Cozy Glow, in my opinion, my opinion, should have been wanting revenge on the student six, not just Twilight and the others, because the fact that the student six were the ones that foiled her plans. So that would, that that should have been her motivation, not just, oh, I want to get back at Twilight and all that. I just want to take over. No. No, her main motivation should have been getting back to the student six. That's it. Because all the other villains had a motivation. Get even with Twilight and her friends, it, you know, that'd be Tyrick. Get even with Starlight, Crystalis, Cozy Glow, get even with the student six. But they didn't touch upon that. And then you have King Sombra. King Sombra wants to take over the Crystal Empire again, right? Okay, fine. But shouldn't he be targeting two individuals as part of that revenge and as part of the plan to retake the Crystal Empire and part of basically part of his revenge? Shouldn't he be targeted two individuals? Hello? Those two individuals are Cadence and Spike. Would have made more sense. Would have made more sense for them to go down those routes and then, you know, build up to Grogar being that final obstacle. You know, Grogar basically pointed out everything that he said about Charlotte and her friends and allies succeeding over the villains that he's brought forward to align with him. We prove, have him prove it to be true. Have him basically prove to each of them that, hey, see, I told you what I tell you. I was right, right? Right? So, Listen to me. Let's do it my way. It would have made more sense. It would have made more sense, but apparently that's not the route they went. Instead, they went the route where it's revealed that Discord is the villain. It was the was Grogar the whole time. And again, the creative staff could say that was the plan the whole the whole season for the whole season, you know, to culminate with the trio being the main being the final obstacle, but you know, when, when you really look back on it, it's it's hard to believe. You know, it's really hard to to take in to take in. It's like, really? Grogar? So really you like Discord was really Grogar the entire time? You know, you know what sense does that make, right? It it doesn't make any sense. You know, it doesn't make any sense for Discord to be Grogar the entire time. I think what happened, and this is my opinion, and I know I sound like I'm rambling. I've been doing this for a while, so I do apologize. Well, almost three hours, I should say. So I do apologize. But my opinion is somewhere, somewhere in between during the creation of the final season, during the, during the work on the final season, Someone, whether it was, whether it was Stephen Davis, I don't know if it was what's his, what's the head guy's name, but above Megan Stephen Davis, I think I'm not sure, or I, I don't know. But my opinion is some somewhere during the creation of the final season, the original plan was for Grogar to be the main bad guy, to be the main big obstacle. The plan was to probably have the the villains that he recruited 
learn that what he was talking about when it comes to Twilight and her friends succeeding over them turned out to be true so that they would be like, okay, we'll align ourselves with you to win. I think there was an original plan and what happened is they decided to switch it up. Like during the script reading and everything, the original plan all the way through up until maybe the mid-season finale was for Grogar to be the villain. But afterwards, when they started working on the uh, scripts for the episodes that came after the mid-season finale, that after Between Dark and Dawn, that is, which was the mid-season finale, they decided to go in another direction. It's almost like they had, it's almost like, in my opinion, and I say this with all due respect, it's almost like they got cold feet. Like they knew, like, basically, I don't know what happened, but it's almost like, you know, they ended up getting cold feet and decided, you know what, let's just make it, let's just make these three of these three right here, this terrible trio, let's make them the final villains. And let's reveal that Grogar was discord the entire time. That's my belief. That's my belief that basically Grogar was originally going to be the villain, no matter what. But after they finished working on the script of the mid-season finale between Dark and Dawn, they reshuffled all the plans, got cold feet, and decided to go in the direction that they did. Now, I'll admit it didn't affect the overall enjoyment that I and many had watching the finale. It didn't. You know, the finale was still good. I enjoyed what I saw, just like everybody else did. But in my opinion, but in my opinion, I think all the way up to the mid-season finale between Dark and Dawn, the plan the entire time for season nine was for Grogar to be the actual villain. But I think what happened after they finished finished the script for season nine and maybe took a break and hiatus themselves before coming back and working on the rest. Yes, you know, I think what happened when they came back to resume, you know, writing the scripts for the rest of the season, they just all of a sudden got cold feet and said, nope, we're not going to do this. We're going to go in this direction. I don't know if that may have been something sent down to them by Megan McCarthy by the head of Hasbro, I don't know. I don't know if it was a decision that Nicole Dubuque made herself, Jim Miller made, I don't know. But in my honest opinion, my honest opinion, I think Grogar was meant to be the villain the entire time. I just think after they finished the script for the mid-season finale between Dark and Dawn, that's when things changed and they went in another direction. Yeah, that, 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 that's what I think, because it seemed they had everything set and ready to go, set in stone uh, in, during the first half, but then all of a sudden, the second half, it was like a completely different story. That's what it felt like. It felt like a completely different story. I mean, they tried to make it seem you know, similar to the original, to the original plan, but I think most, but I think basically, even though they tried to make it feel like they were still going in that direction, Somewhere during, uh, during the uh, writing phase for the second half of the final season, they got cold feet and decided to go in the direction that they did. And, and that's just my, and that's how I feel. That's just my belief, in my opinion. That's, that's how I feel. Uh, again, I understand some people may not 
you know, agree with that and that's fine. You know, you be you, you know, you believe what you want to believe, but I want you to really think about it though. I want you to think as to why all of a sudden, un, what seemed to be something perfectly well done and planned out, something that fans have been wanting to see since he was first acknowledged in season seven. You know, I want you to think about that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it just turns out to be the uh, main sevens, uh, main seven, main eights ally discord who was playing Grogar the entire time instead of it being the real thing. So, yeah, that that's just my belief. That's just my opinion, guys. And again, I know some of you may not agree with that, and that's fine. But I feel I feel there is some legitimacy to that. Again, they're not going to come out and tell you the truth. They're not going to straight out and tell you, you know, they're not going to, you know, Jim Miller, Josh Haber, you know, Nicole Dubuque, you know, none of them are going to come straight out and say, yeah, the, the original plan was for Grogar to be the villain, but when we got to the mid-season, after we finished w- working on the mid-season finale, well, we just decided not to do it because we got cold feet or, or we just felt like it would be like a waste of time and it wouldn't make sense. Da, 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 da. Really? It would have made, wouldn't have made sense. What wouldn't have made sense about Grogar showing up, you know, calling out Twilight Sparkle, acknowledging the acknowledging out of respect of what she and her friends have done, but also acknowledging that now he knows how to beat them because he's assembled his own group to do the same, to work together just like they do. So, you know, again, you know, believe what you want to believe. But when you really think about it, when you really think about it, it feels like plans got shuffled, plans got changed after they completed writing the script for Between Dark and Dawn, the season nine mid finale, the mid season nine finale. So that's just my opinion. Let me know what you guys think down below, but that's just my opinion. And that, folks, is going to wrap up this over three hour edition of Topics on My Mind for today, Monday, the 28th of September, 2020. Thank you all for listening, uh, watching, and, of course, listening later on during the uh, podcast presentation when it shows up at the various podcast locations, uh, including Amazon Music. Yes, if you have an Amazon Music Unlimited subscription, you can find the B.W. Rosas Discussion Podcast there. Yes, you can find me at Amazon Music Unlimited at B.W. Rosas Discussions. As well as you can also find me at Spotify. Uh, you can find me at anchor.fm under B.W. Rosas as well. Uh, you can find me at Plex at Plex.tv. You can find me at iHeartRadio. You can find me at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker. All you have to do is type up B.W. Rosas Discussions, and there you go. You can find me at those various podcast locations, including now, like I said, Amazon Music Unlimited. And if you have a cable service that, and if your cable provider like Comcast, you know, Comcast slash Xfinity, AT&T, Verizon, uh, 
you know, sun, uh, cable vision, whatever you want to call it. Um, if any one of them has the um, digital app applications, in other words, allows you to watch, you know, YouTube or listen to, you know, Spotify and everything on your TV via your cable box, you know, go to your X1 cable box, go to whatever specialized cable box, you know, uh, AT&T or Verizon gives you that provides you with, it's kind of like part streaming streaming box as well that provides you with the apps. Go there, check them out. out. You can find Spotify in there and through your cable provider, you know, that gives you Spotify, YouTube and all that and iHeart and all that. You can also find my BW Roses discussions on there. And so check me out at Brian's Discussions, my secondary YouTube page. Please help me to get to 1,000 subscribers there so I can monetize that one. And, uh, yeah, check out my Patreon as well. The links, go to the About section here on my channel. Scroll down. Go to the links at the bottom. Go to my Patreon. And please contribute there. It's only a dollar a month to help me out until I get back financially on my feet, job-wise and whatever. So, again, though, guys, thank you all for listening, listening and watching. Um, sorry this went too long. Probably the longest topics on my mind I've done for a while. Uh, again, I had a lot to do. Basically, I had to let my dog out on several occasions. I had to check up on things. So, yeah, sorry if it went too long. And uh, that's all I'm going to really say, though, guys. Uh, but, again, thank you again for watching. So, until next time, God bless. Take care. Stay safe. And I am out. Thank you all. All and have a good rest of your Monday.